0: <laughs> We're beginning surah, uh, the Jews number 29, this is surah al-Mulk, surah number 67. Surah al-Mulk can be translated as the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the dominion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sovereign domain of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and here, the first ayah of this surah is explaining the name of the surah, Tabarakullahi, that full of barakah is that being, blessed is that one, yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and whose control, who holds all sovereignty, who holds all dominion, who holds all sovereign control over the entire creation and universe. Yet here, as we have explained earlier in the Dort of Seer, is amongst the Mutashabihat. Literally the word Yad means hand, but the position of the Mutaqaddimin, the earlier scholars of Quran, was that Allah Ta'ala alone knows what this means Yad, just like Allah Ta'ala alone knows what Alif Lam means, but because we know what the word Al-Mulk means, dominion and control, and we know that sovereignty and control and dominion and power lie with Allah Ta'ala alone, so one can even Simply translated like this and blessed is that being Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who holds, who possesses, who controls all the mulk, all the dominion and sovereignty And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is powerful over each and every single thing اللَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ أَمَلًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is second that that Allah subhanahu who controls each and everything, the first and foremost thing for our human hidayah that Allah subhanahu wa controls is life and death and life. So death and life are entire in the power of Allah subhanahu wa He is the sovereign who gives death. He is the sovereign and king who grants life. These things are creation. Now this does not mean this is non-physical creation. Death and life may not necessarily have a physical substance, but it means Allah SWT has created substances but also processes. The process of death is when the ruh exits the soul, the self, and the process of life is when the ruh comes into the self so in terms of this other field of bioethics so doctors talk about a person being heart dead and brain dead and ardeen a human being is ru dead so once the ru has left and that means the body cannot function on its own If there is an artificial respirator or heart-lung machine that the doctor tells you that this person is now dead, the Muslim muttaki doctor says the ru has left this body, we through this machine are still enabling that person to breathe. You can pull the plug on that machine because you're pulling the plug on a dead body. However, if pulling the plug means that your act of pulling the plug is the suburb for the death of that person, then you would not be able to pull the plug. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created death and life. Death is the exiting of the ruh, and life is the arrival of the ruh. But now this process, really what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to, is the lifespan, the time that exists between these two things, which means is our life, لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ so that Allah Ta'ala may test each and every one of you. And Allah Ta'ala is addressing here initially all of humanity to see who Ahsanu amala, who carries out the best deeds. One thing you can note over here is Allah Ta'ala has not said the most deeds, but Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the best deeds. That is why on the Day of Judgment on the Mizan, our deeds are not counted but they are a weight. And the notion of weighing them is that their weight will be dependent on their quality. If it was simply quantity, then the deeds would be counted as opposed to weight. Also here Allah subhanahu is making clear that He has not created us out of vain. He has created us because all of life is a test. All of life is an iptilaah. And all of life we will be tested and then how will we respond to the tests in life? So one sense is what is the best way to respond to a test? Here is also what Allah Ta'ala has created us for. al aziz Allah is almighty and all forgiving. He is al Aziz. He is almighty. He can punish whomsoever he wills. He is Al Aziz, he is almighty. He has no need of humanity whatsoever. He is Al Aziz, he is almighty. He has dominion and he has king sovereignty over all sovereignty and dominion over the whole universe. At the same time he is Al Ghafur, He is all forgiving, He may forgive each and every sin of every believer. The Ratbita Al Aziz Al ghafur is that He is Almighty, and Al Ghafur that the greatest might lies in His forgiveness, means His maghfirah and forgiveness is also mighty. So in these first two ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned his existence, his exaltedness, that he his existence because it's his being Alladhi His blessedness Tabaraka Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has mentioned his dominion Al-Mulk And Allah ta'ala Mentioned his power Al-Qadir After mentioning These four attributes Of himself Then Allah ta'ala Ended with these two attributes Who is Al-Aziz And Al-Ghufoor So you can say All first five attributes All end and conclude In the forgiveness Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So the baraka Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala His blessedness His tabarak Is manifested In al that blessed is that being that even though he has might and dominion over everything and in his power lies each and every single thing etc etc but ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still chooses to send his forgiveness this is the barakah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has manifested on his believers then verses from three onward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to mention some physical aspects of the creation, other they khalaka that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a being who has created seven samawat, and this we have explained before as well. You can translate this as seven firmaments, or as seven skies, or some people translate it as seven heavens, tibaqa, in layers. And one arrived, Nabiya some narrated in the Muslim Imam Ahmad Ram the Prophet said that there were 500 years' journey or gap between each and every one of these layers. So it's not necessarily seven skies over planet Earth or seven levels of the atmosphere. It could refer to seven um, circles or seven frontiers of the universe. So you can Put it this way that the entire universe, all the physical creation that is known to us, you can imagine that it has seven frontiers. The final frontier is beyond which there is no physical creation. What lies beyond that final frontier is the angelic realm, that itself also has a frontier. After that comes Siddhasul Muntahad and Kursi and Arsh. All of Allah's creation is created in layers and frontiers. To hear is just telling us in Qur'an that the human universe, the universe that me and you know, the universe, the galaxies, etc., that has seven debaqah, that has seven layers, or you can also say it has seven, I'm transiting it as seven frontiers. Another aspect of dibaka is that they are interrelated to one another or you can say they correspond with one another means that these seven frontiers of the universe are connected to one another. <coughs> then Allah the says Matara Fi Rahman min tfaut, that you will not see in the creation of ar-Rahman so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after mentioning al-Ghufur then several times now in the surah Allah ta'ala is going to refer to himself as ar-Rahman that you will not find any rift in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation any disproportion or any inconsistency any tafawut means any disproportion or any inconsistency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation this is what even classical medieval And pre-modern and early modern Western scientists would be believers and Newton was a believer and all of these great classical and modern and pre-modern scientists were believers for this one reason as well, is that they would reflect on the universe and they could not see any tafawut or any disproportion or inconsistency in the creation of Allah (laughs) SWT. This is what classically they used to call the blind watchmaker. So... Forget the blind part; that is something we would disagree with. But they viewed Allah as the watchmaker. They would reflect on the precision of the universe. In contemporary times, this is known one of the arguments that believers, scientific arguments that believers give to counter, counter atheism, is known as the fine-tuning argument. The fine-tuning argument means that everything in this universe is so precisely and finely tuned that to imagine this occurred by chance is irrational. For example, if the earth was just 10% closer to the sun or really even just 1% closer to the sun or 1% further from the sun, the conditions of life could not be obtained on earth. If your temperature, your body temperature was just 10% greater or 10% less, you would not be able to sustain life. Your own body would not be able to sustain life. There's so if the nature of the atmosphere was plus or minus 10%, then the nature of the harmful rays or the beneficial rays of the sun that come into earth would not be able to be maintained. So... The argument, and you'd be amazed, but literally I myself attended lectures at Oxford two years ago where this argument was presented in front of me, that the argument that the atheist scientists make that, no, because we are living in endless time and there's limitless probability, so at some point, and this is what they call the multiverse argument, that there would be so many possible universes that would have arisen that even if the chance of a universe arising in which there is the possibility of life, even the chance or probability of that is one over a billion 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 billion, sooner or later it was bound to happen and that's why we exist. So we are just really, our existence is such a small probability of chance which even for a person who has any common sense you can understand that, that is a ridiculous argument that is like me saying that, well, sooner or later enough atoms should have collided with one another to form the molecules that would form a car. So sooner or later a car should just simply appear out of thin air because there is a one over a billion chance that these atomic collisions and molecular formations will take place and you will not see any such car appearing out of thin air. But this is what they believe. Uh, and they call it the multiverse argument and they say, imagine if there was a machine, this is their computer Science. They say, imagine there was a machine that generated universes, and it keep generating multiple universes, and it does so infinitely, so then if it does so infinitely, then sooner or later it would be able to generate a universe in which the conditions of life could be obtained. And when you look at a person who is called a scientist saying these words, you're stunned. (laughs) Then how could a person say such a thing? The earlier scientists were not so blindly, fanatically committed to atheism And so they saw the fine tuning of the universe They saw exactly what Allah Ta'ala is saying in Qur'an And for us mu'mineen it is haq Because Allah Ta'ala simply has said it in Qur'an That if you were to look and gaze However analytically, however creatively, however aesthetically, however scientifically In the creation of Allah Ta'ala Because He is al-Rahman The creation of Rahman you would not see any tafawut you would not find any disproportion in it. You would no, not see any disharmony in it. You would not see any inconsistency in it. And then Allah Taala says, "Farajil basar." Then go ahead and look at it again. Look at it yet again, and then see Hal min That do you see any rifts in His creation? Do you see any gaps in His creation? Do you see any cracks in His creation? Then Allah says, basara." then go ahead and look again and yet once again. Means look twice again and then Allah subhanahu says what will happen? You will keep looking that your vision and your sight will return to you in such a way and you will, your sight will return to you in such a way that you will be weak and weary. You will get tired of looking for those rifts because as you can imagine a person who tries to look for something that they cannot find and they keep looking, keep looking then eventually their vision will return to them in a state that khasiyah can mean embarrassed, it can mean weakened, it can mean humiliated if you had a negative intention in looking. So humiliated and disgraced and hasir means you will be weary and exhausted and fatigued from doing so. Unfortunately, though, the atheists, right, uh, maybe they do return. I mean, certainly they will return embarrassed and exhausted and weak and weary. But then they choose to adopt atheism as opposed to iman. Then, in verse number five, Allah Spantale mentions one feature in the universe, which is physically in the sky, that a person would see if they were gazing. Well, that indeed we have adorned and decorated and made beautiful the sky of this world. Right? so this is why also you can see that samawat is said Mutlaqan, hence I say frontiers of the universe but here specifically being said sama of the dunya so sama of the dunya that means your sky that you look up to that we look up to in planet earth what Allah Ta'ala has put there which you can say literally it means lamps and lanterns this is a canai metaphor for the stars sometimes some critics of Quran ask this question they say well the stars are not in the sky and they've tried to raise an objection on this ayah of Quran. So actually Allah is not saying he didn't say we placed them in the sky. Allah Spawn said we adored the sky. Right? So by placing the stars millions of light years away, but in that pattern which in astronomy we call constellations, by placing them millions of light years away such that they twinkle, because if they were in the sky they would not twinkle, and part of the zenith is the twinkling of the sky, that is the way Allah Ta'ala has beautified the sky. So there is no claim here and there is no sense in the Arabic language that they have been placed in the sky. So anybody who raises such an objection, uh, the objection itself is false. <coughs> Then wa at nadhum adhabusayir, and Allah SWT says, the second thing is about this, those stars. They have been made as a means of a rajm or literally pelting or stoning against the shayateen which are the minions of shaitan. You can translate that as that in English as the devil. Who are those shayateen There's those people. Wa at nadhum adhabusayir, Allah SWT says, we have prepared for them the. Agony and punishment of the blaze. As-Sa'ir means the blaze, the blazing inferno, ending the fire of Jahannam. What does this mean? This means that when the Shayateen used to try, and perhaps still try, to go to the frontiers of the physical universe, these Jannat Shayateen tried to go to the frontiers of the physical universe and tried to eavesdrop and listen into what I told you was the next realm, which is the angelic realm, or you could in sort of English, called the celestial realm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then has the angels pelt them with the fire of the stars of this world. Because remember, shayateen are beings made of fire. For example, how is a human being, if, if there is an unjust aggressor who attacks a human being, so we are made of substance, so something of substance has to be dropped on us. Like a bomb, which has substance, or a missile, which has substance, so the shiateen are made of fire, so stars also are made of thermal energy and fire, so they will also be attacked with missiles of a matter that is what they are composed of. So this is the way Allah subhanahu wa is mentioned in Qur'an right and allah ta'ala knows best exactly how and when and how frequently that happens so here then is the end of this part of this surah where allah ta'ala is mentioned this creation and then allah ta'ala from 6 verse 6 onwards going to talk about the punishment and reward meted out for human disbelievers and human believers for the kafaru <laughs> for those who disbelieve and deny in their Rabb, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah who was their Rabb, who nursed them, sustained them, provided for them, raised them, anybody who denies and rejects his existence and his blessings will get the punishment of Jahannam, the punishment of hell, وَبِعْسَ Masir, And indeed it is an evil place to return to. It is a miserable destination to end up in. إِذَا أُلْقُوا فِيهَا that when they are cast into that fire of Jahannam, what will they hear? They will hear its shahikah, They will hear its roar. They will hear its roar. You can also say they hear its gasp. They hear its roaring gasp as it flares and rages and into blazes. So it means that there will be a tremendous sound. You can imagine like the sound of a waterfall when you have tremendous amount of water that is cascading down in a rush and it seems as an endless supply, and these great waterfalls of the world have been flowing for centuries, just like that. You will have a waterfalls of fire, means not water, but firefalls flowing and flowing fire of jahannam that is leaping up and bursting so they will hear its roar and its gasp as the fire of that jahannam flares and rages and then allah says in quran that it will seem to them it will seem as if that it is going to burst and explode out of its fury that's how it will seem to them that each and every group that is cast and thrown into that fire of Jahannam, the treasures means literally the keepers and wards and keepers and wards over that fire of Jahannam will ask each and every such group Alam Nadir that did not a warner come to you. And they will reply, Caullo, they will say Bala, yes we eat, and every member of each and every group thrown into Jahannam will say yes we affirm. Gaja that indeed a warner came to us. This is what we Allah Ta'ala mentioned earlier elsewhere in Quran, earlier and elsewhere in Qur'an that Allah Ta'ala does not punish any community until he sends a messenger to them. To every single human being has either received a messenger or a prophet or has received and been exposed to the messages and mission and teachings of that messenger and prophet in some way or form Fakazabna, And each and every one who enters into Jahannam will attest to their own self. This is also the manifestation of the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is making it clear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making it clear that there is no injustice. Even the people who are going into Jahannam will completely admit their guilt. They will plead guilty to their crime. They will say that we scoffed, we falsified, we declared them to be liars. Those wonders who came to us. وَقُلْنَا مَا نَزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ شيء. And then what was the other thing we said? We said that no, Allah Ta'ala has never ever revealed anything. Allah Ta'ala never sent anything down. We denied those prophets and orders who came to us so that it will be. And we used to say to them, to the believers in Antum illa fi and kabir, that indeed you believers are in nothing else than uh, a great deviation. You are very much mistaken, sorely astray. And they will also, these disbelievers who are entering in the five gems, they will also say, then if only we had listened, and if only we had reflected, if only we had listened, you could even say if only we had been rational. So these self styled rational atheists were lament that if only they had the real rationality, the real sense which was to have iman and accept in Allah if only we had heard what does that mean? that we should have listened with an open heart and mind first to revelation then our sense would have told us that it was correct but instead we put our akal first and we put our sama second we adopted and chose our own ideology first and then we listened to revelation and prophecy and that will not bring a person to iman so they will say if only we had listened and heard first and then used our sense ma kunna fi أَصْحَابِ then we would not be the companions and inmates of the place and here Allah Ta'ala used the same word sair that Allah Ta'ala had used in the end of verse 5 that where the shayateen will end up the same word Allah Taala describe Jahannam in verse 10 where the disbelievers will end up and what does this mean that they will admit and confess and attest and acknowledge all of their sins and then again Allah, Allah says فصحكا, which means that uh, they will be taken away they will be distanced away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is what Allah ta'ala says, this is what should happen to again the Asab al the companions and the intimates, the inmates of the inferno and blaze of Jahannam of hell so you can say you can translate this as so away with them let them be taken away may they be distanced so they will be cast in and then deep in so they're cast away from all memory they're cast away from the gaze of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they're cast away for all of eternity such a level of bod may allah ta'ala save each and every one of us from entering into the fire of jahannam then this is what allah subhanahu wa Ta-A'la mentions in verse 12 if you want to know how to save yourself from this fire of Jahannam, Ya'kshona Bil Indeed, those who fear their Rabb, who is unseen, who fear their Lord unseen, without being able to see Him, Lahum Wa Ajrun That they will have a maghfirah They will be forgiven by Allah Subhanahu. So, what does that mean? Who is going to get muqfrah a sinner. So what does it mean? At least if a person can be a fearful sinner as opposed to being a fearless sinner, then just that fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if they remain qa'im daim, remain established and perpetual on that fear, that fear will be able to save them from the fire of Jahannam and they will have an ajrun kabir. So this is Allah's response to them that they people said the disbelievers said you are on the Zaladin Kabir. You are in a tremendous you're tremendously astray and tremendously misguided. So Allah ta'ala says, no actually what the believers will have. But who, the fearful believers, the believers who feel Allah SWT, mu'mineen and they will have an kabir kabir, they will have a tremendous reward with Allah SWT. Then Allah Ta'ala addresses the disbelievers and says, وَأَصِرُوا awich harubi?" That you can keep quiet, you can conceal and be secret in what you say, or you may openly say it and express it publicly. Either way, إِنَّهُ أَلِيمٌ Sudur. Allah SWT is that being who is all-knowing about what lies in the breast. Allah يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقٌ. That do you not think that, that the Creator will know? That creator, the one who is created, do you, the one who created, don't you think that he will know? Latif الْلَتِيفُ khabir And Allah subhanahu ta'ala is the most subtle and most aware. Here what is Latif means, means Allah Ta'ala knows the barikya. Allah Ta'ala's ilm, he, his ilm is Latif, he knows every fine point. His ilm is Latif, he knows even the stray thoughts. The deliberate thoughts that we think. His ilm is latif. He knows the occasional feelings that we have. And the deep rooted feelings and emotions we have. And he's al-khabir. He is always informed about each and every single thing that we do. He's always informed, completely aware. What does this mean? so that in verse number 13, <coughs> actually the mushrikeen of Maqam used to critique Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, in secret and they would try to conspire against Him in secret. So here, and sometimes they would also conspire against Him openly and mistreat Him and speak to Him inappropriately and express that openly. So here Allah SWT is saying, Allah knows each and every single thing that you say, whether you do it secretly or openly. Verse 15 onward, Allah Taala is calling out to those disbelievers, that yet another way that would make a person reflect and come to iman and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells that being, tells that being who Allah Allah ta'ala being who has made for you the earth means that Allah wa Ta'ala has subjugated the earth to you, has made it accessible to you has made, given you mulk over the earth has given you dominion and control and sovereignty over the earth this can be taken literally that you're able to plow the earth in terms of agriculture you're able to dig deep in earth to extract water or to extract oil this can also mean that you the earth has been made travelable to you which Allah subhanahu wa is saying فَمْشُو uh, فِي literally manqab and "manakib" means shoulders what it means is that you can travel its road those um, overpasses uh, and you can travel on top and walk and Travel across the roads of this earth. وَقُلُوا min riskihi, And then you may eat from the sustenance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is another way Allah subjugated the earth. That the produce of the earth. Whether it's crops or vegetables or fruit. Or those animals themselves that graze and eat the items of the earth. We eat from all of those things. وَإِلَيْهِ نُشُورِ And we should remember that we will also be gathered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning his notwithstanding that uh, but in along with his incredible might and power that he alone has which he expressed in the first few verses here Allah is reminding humanity that Allah Ta'ala gave us a limited power over this earth and that every single thing that we are enjoying is from the bounties of this earth so we should have reflected on that why verse 16 that do we have any sense of security are we in aman from that being who is in The Sama'i. Now again, Fis-Sama'i is metaphorical. Does not mean Allah Ta'ala is physically inside heaven, like the Christians think? Because for us, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has no physical corporeal. He has no jism, no surat. He has no space. He has no maqan. But it means that that one who resides, who is transcended from this world, and in that sense, Lies in that transcendental realm So are you secure from that being Who lies in the transcendental realm Are you secure from him What? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can uh, Swallow you up in this earth That he can cause the earth to swallow you When it should quake When there's an earthquake Means that very earth that you Outwardly Allah ta'ala has subjugated to you, Allah Ta'ala still controls the massive power over such a massive body as the earth or, am- Amin or do you feel secure from that being who lies in the transcendental, uh, exists in the realm that transcends us <inaudible> that Allah SWT can send a vicious or a windstorm a devastating windstorm to you <inaudible> and then surely soon you will come to know what my warning, Allah tells says, says that what my warnings are to you. So what does it mean? These are two massive powers of Allah power. all the power over earth and the power over wind. And indeed there were others who disbelieved before them. And then you can see and just reflect and remember how was my reproval, how did I admonish them, how was my devastation and disapproval. How was my devastation that came upon them due to my disapproval? So these three verses were yet another aspect of Allah Ta'ala trying to get a human being to reflect on his might and power and use that to come to believe. Or do they not look simply even just at the birds? Now this is the lightest ayah in this series. Singling out one aspect of creation, very light, small makhluk, That have they not ref- gazed upon with reflecting, reflectively gazed upon the birds, folkehom that are above them, folkehom uh, <coughs> that they are, uh, the birds that are above them. And what do they do? Sal <speaking> what <in> that they are spreading their wings out and drawing their wings in. So this is a reference to the act of flying. So what does Allah subhanahu say? So, وما, الرحمن, That nothing is keeping them afloat in the air, right? Nothing is holding them up and keeping them in the air إِلَّا Rahman, Except for the, all mer- the mercy of the all merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala بِكُلِّ بَصِيرٍ And indeed Allah subhanahu is watchful and vigilant and observing each and every single thing. So what does this mean? So the birds whether their wings are spread out or even if they're flapping them or even when they folded them they still remain afloat in the air. This is just the mercy of Allah ta'ala means this is part of also Allah mulk. This is part of his will and dominion and his kingship and lordship over the world. And if you think about it also whenever you look at birds when they fly, you know modern science will tell you that birds have very small brains. But you're amazed at the formation in which they fly, at the speed at which they fly, at the flight path. They are much, much greater than every single fighter pilot and every single computer navigation system that has been designed, and they have maybe an brain size of a pea. So how is that possible? How is it that even can science enter this question? And how can an animal with a brain the size of a pea outperform every single pilot and every single computerized navigation system that all of the brilliant Zawiyah, cool, or intelligent human beings have designed this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu this is his hidayah this is his mulk this is his sovereignty over things then Allah ta'ala now having mentioned again himself as al-Rahman and I told him that that sifat was going to come several times in this ayah min rahman that who is there a force to help you min rahman except for Allah al-Rahman in al-kafiruna illa fi and that you should know that the disbelievers they are just involved in an illusion, in a deception, and delusion. and that if Allah Taala was to withdraw the risk, is there who is there to provide for you if Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala amsaq if He stops providing His sustenance for you? But fi But in fact actually no, the atheists are simply going to persist in their presumption and they're going to their presumptive rebellion and they're going to persist in their nafur and their enmity towards you, Nabi Akriam Sallallahu and the believers. Alright. So here what is happening actually that the Kufar, the reason they disbelieved in Sayyidina Rasulullah, so they took pride in two things they had. Number one was their risk they said, No, we have the wealth. We are the Quraysh of Mecca. We have the wealth, we have the risk, right? We have the bounties. So Allah is addressing them that who will give you this risk if Allah SWT stops giving you that risk? And second thing was their, uh, actually, the first thing that was mentioned in verse 20 was their strength, second is their risk, uh, and third um, was they felt that they had their own gods and idols. Who would protect them from harm so here allah SWT is addressing them and saying no none of these things will protect you none of these things will aid you it is allah and allah SWT alone whom we have to have iman in now here we can think this about ourselves as well right that we also turn not neglecting our iman, not in the state of kufr, we have iman, but we turn to beings other than al rahman We turn to people, we turn to the dunya, we turn to fashion, culture, society, we turn to fame and popularity and acceptability in society. So if we turn anywhere other than al rahman we will also be in the same gurur or the same delusion and deception and illusion that Allah ta'ala describes the disbelievers as being in. أَفَمَنْ يَمْشِي مُكِبَّنْ وَجْهِهِ يَمْشِي سَوِيًّا That is the person, and there are several ways to translate this. Number one, مُكِبَّنْ أَلَى وَجْهِهِ First way you know, literally the person who is upside down, who has been turned upside down on his face and is trying to walk in such a way. Some have taken it slightly figuratively that those who are always falling on their face, such as they're walking in such a way that their walking is really dragging themselves on their face because they're always falling down in misguidance. You can also translate this one, Allah although this is not the main translation, but Waj can also mean their own direction, their own wijah. So it means that that person who is trying to walk according to their own design and their own plan. Can such a person be ahda more guided, or is that person who is watching, walking sawiyya, who is walking straight and steadfast and upright Allah sirat al-mustaqim, that person who is walking on the sirat al-mustaqim. So obviously uh, the person who is walking on sirat al-mustaqim properly and steadfast is going to have more hidayah. Here then this means this is an analogy between the disbeliever and the believer. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kul huwa that say indeed that Allah subhanahu is that being who created you, who created and designed you, and what That and he made for you your hearing and your vision and your hearts. He made means your ears and your eyes and your hearts, but very, very few Show the gratitude to Allah subhanahu The shukar that you show to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is indeed very few. So little is the gratitude that you give. Little is the thanks that you express. First thing here is sama, basr and afidah. So summer is hearing. What does it mean? And so let's start here first of all. the heart. Heart is the center of a person's ru. Fuad is actually the core of the qalb. Qalb is the heart of the Ru Fuad, Af'ida is the plural of Fuad Fuad is the core of the Qalb Fuad is that part of the Qalb that has a person's Ilm of the Qalb, the Hidayah of the Qalb, the Nur of the Qalb, the Shu'ur of the Qalb, the perception and awareness and feelings and sentiments of the Qalb. How does a person get that? So the Tirtib, Allah put is the knowledge of the heart first comes to the ears And then second comes to the eyes. And the reason that hearing is put before seeing is because we're not able to see Allah in this world. But we hear his kalam. So the hearing is the mm, faculty by which we hear kalamullah and kalam rasulullah and we get this hidayah. And then also for seeing, especially for that initial recipients of Quran, they got to see Sayyidina Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or you can also say, Absar is reflecting and gazing upon all these signs of Allah's existence and His universe that He mentions. All of this leads into the knowledge of the hearts. And then Allah wa ta'ala said that there are very little of us who do shukr for this. What does it mean that three major things we should do shukr for is our sama? is our Basr and is our Fuad is our Kalb is our heart so we should be grateful to Allah any anytime He enables us to hear Quranul Kareem, understand Quranul kareem anytime He enables us to see any of the Sha'irullah whether it is Baitullah whether it is Waliullah, whether it is Makhluk of Allah And we should be grateful to Allah Taala Whenever He enables Feel anything in our afida, Whenever we feel any feeling for Him Whenever we feel any emotions for Him All of these are moments for shukr, But very little indeed Is the gratitude that we show And the last verse here in Number 24 Qul <speaking in Hebrew> That Allah is that being who has spread you and multiplied and spread you on earth, and Allah is the being to whom you will all be ultimately gathered. This also means Allah has spread us out on earth and He has put risk anywhere, and you will see this. You can travel to the people who go on the North Pole and the South Pole, Allah has risk for them. People who travel and live and settle in extreme latitudes uh or they also get risk there people who are living in extreme places like deserts or tundras or rainforests Etc., Allah sent them risk there. But no matter how wide we may spread on earth, we will all be gathered together on Mass in front of Al-Spanta on the Day of Judgment. So, how did the disbelievers say about this? <inaudible> that when will this promise take place? When will this day of gathering rest of take place? If indeed you, and here it is plural, so it can mean you, all of you prophets, Okay, it can mean you, Sayyidina Susam, so and you, all of you believers, if you indeed are truthful, cool, say to them, my beloved Messiah, sir, in the law, that indeed the knowledge of this lies with Allah Ta'ala alone, exclusively with Allah, Subh'anaHu Ta'ala, the knowledge of that day. Wa ana, and indeed, that me, and it is possible to say that I am just nadirum Mubeen, I am just a clear and plain warner to you. <laughs> Zulfatan. So when, in fact, when they see that day of judgment coming close, when they see it approaching close, when they see it imminent, sayyat. I'm sorry, sayyat wujuhul ladina Then their literally it means their faces will become blackened. The faces will become troubled, contorted. They will, you will see the expression of their face uh, change. Right of these Aladdinaka the disbelievers. and it will be said to them, kuntum bihi That this is that which you used to ask for. This is that which you were calling for. So this is Allah's sponsor replying to the kufar in this ayah. In verse number 28. Kul in ahlakani Allahu. O So Allah, Allah tells the Prophet say to them, in that that don't you see do you see that whether Allah wa ta'ala this Ajib, this is also an ayah that gives an Ishara the Bain Yazi of Allah Spawn that Allah wa Ta'ala is telling the Prophet to even say this to them hypothetically, that don't you see that if Allah wa ta'ala were to destroy me, Sayyidina Rasulullah and every single one who is with me in every single sahaba of mine this is what the disbelievers wish. This is what they're hoping for. This is what they were waiting for. So even if that was to happen, or رحمنا, or whether Allah has mercy on us. So what does it mean Allah, Allah is telling the Nabi that if you're allowed to live through bother and oath, if your Sahaba are able to survive, it's not because you're Nabi. It's not because they're Sahaba. It's not because of your wonder. It's be only out of the mercy of Allah. Allah. And you should not only know this Nabiya you should profess this verbally to the disbelievers. But, and then tell them, but either way, whatever Allah ta'ala chooses to do with you, they should be worried about their own selves. That who is there who can deliver and grant salvation, you need save the disbelievers from this terribly painful and tormenting punishment. Strange ayah. <laughs> Even in this ayah, Allah Ta'ala is addressing this believers. And nothing can save you from me. So don't be worried whether you'll be successful about the Prophet or not. Yeah. But inside the ayah, it's a very intense thing. For the Prophet and the believers, so it means me and you are nothing. That whether Allah Ta'ala wants to make us halak Or whether He chooses to send His mercy on us. This is entirely, entirely the will of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Alright. However, then Allah Ta'ala mentions His mercy. That... O oh, rahimana or Allah ta'ala may send his Rahma on us. So cool also them to say to them Nabi Who are but that Allah ta'ala, He is a Rahman isharat that He is going to have mercy on us and save us from you bihi, and we have absolute complete iman and trust in Him wa Alehi and we rely and depend upon Him exclusively in each and every matter. And soon and surely and soon you shall know, O disbelievers, who is it that is in clear deviation? And you should say to them, in So you should this is the last ayah sort of Suratul Muk, so say to the that do you see that if your water was to run off or vanish or sink into the underground depths? return back into its underground aquifers. then what would happen then who is it who will provide you with flowing water where would you get it back from if all of your wells were to dry up all of your rivers will dry up so this is the last surat al muk ends here and it's not actually as strong as a concluding sentence as we are used to in quran al karim but here is it is almost it's not maybe the most appropriate it's not inappropriate, the most accurate but it's almost like a cliffhanger (laughs) right, here Allah ends it with a question purpose of the question is, is one last attempt at mercy one last attempt at merciful guidance by asking them this question, letting them reflect, leaving the answer because else Allah mentioned their answers, they retort, they shoot back. This is what their answer is. Here, Allah ta'ala ends it like this, doesn't mention their answer. Perhaps maybe they will give a good answer until the end of time. Alright? <coughs> this ends Surah Al-Mulk. As you know, an our day, Surah Al-Mulk has a lot of faza'il uh, and virtues and merits one of those a couple of those I will just mention to you one is in a hadith narrated in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad the sunnah of Timothy the sunnah of Abu Dawood, and the sunnah of An-Nisa'i and the sunnah of Ibn Majah and that is the hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that there is a Surah in the Quran comprising 30 verses and this was, means Surah Al-Mulk and it will continue to intercede on behalf of a person until that person is forgiven and the Prophet said the Surah mulk. So sometimes Surahs would also be named after the first few words or if the first ayah was short, the first ayah. <coughs> so this is the fazila. And some other drawayat Nabi Akram saying, you should recite it every night before you to sleep. The said that he wished that in the heart of every believer should lie the surah means that a person should memorize it but also live it and always be reflecting upon it next verse word number 68 al-qalam noon wal wa ma yasturun so here noon this is one of the huruf al Maybe we explain for how allah ta'ala knows best what it is So allah ta'ala wow here is asamiya. allah ta'ala is taking an oath by the qalam what is that qalam first interp- first uh, uh, position of the Mufassirun is the Qalam refers to that Qalam that Allah Ta'ala created initially Sayyidina abad and Salam narrates in a hadith that the Prophet said that the first thing Allah Ta'ala created was the Qalam however the other hadith say the first thing that Allah Ta'ala created was the Law another hadith says the first thing Allah Ta'ala created was the Nur of Sayyidina Rasulullah He knew the very first thing Allah Ta'ala created was the Prophet but not his physical existence, his ruh. And his ruh is pure nur. Just like the angels are made out of nur. He has angelic ruh. Alright. So the muhadditheen have tried to do big in this. By saying that well. It's possible. And Allah Ta'ala created several things simultaneously. First. Second is possible that in terms of the alam arwah. The first thing that Allah Ta'ala made was the nurani ruh of the Prophet. And in terms of alam al-khalq The first thing Allah Ta'ala made was the. Qalam here, here in the Surah Al-Qalam And again you have in the very first ayah uh, The reason, the word Due to which the entire surah is named Allah Taala took the Qasim and Oath of the Qalam So the first meaning of this Is that Qalam that Allah Taala created first That Qalam was ordered by Allah Subhanahu To write down and inscribe all knowledge All events All happenings This could mean literally Right through in the arabic language and using ink that kalam or maybe even just engraving on the lawful mafuz that kalam wrote everything down it can also kalam can also be meant to be a kinaya for the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the first thing Allah ta'ala did was decree everything that was going to befall his creation decree it in terms of his own knowledge not in terms of negating our free will Here, second that could be referred to here is the pen by which the angels write, because that is the second. But here, because Allah says, "Well, wama so more better according to grammar would be that Allah is taking yet a second custom here. First custom was by his, the column that He created, and second, so is His own decree of the knowledge of everything, and second. Qasam is by the angels recording that everything as it happens. That is what the angels do. وَمَا يَسْتُرُونَ Literally means what they pen down into lines. Right? cute. <coughs> and
1: <coughs>
0: <coughs> By what the angels write down in the lines. After saying these two customs, what is Allah Ta'ala is directly telling the Prophet Ma anta bi ni'matil lambika bi That from the ni'ma of your rub, this is also a dream. didn't just say you're not majnoon. It's the fact that it, this was the kuffar, right? They were telling the Prophet Islam that you were insane. So your response is not just saying that you were not insane, you were not certainly insane. No, it is only and only ba sababiya ba sababi ni'matil Only and due to the grace of your rub that you are not insane. Otherwise, if it wasn't for the netma of your rub, you could have been anything and everything they call you. (laughs) Allahu Akmar Kamira. Ajib. So, only and only by the netma of your rub, indeed, you are not insane. But then, number three is a very powerful ayah in the love for the Prophet that Allah does manifest in the Quran that indeed you will have such an utter such a reward that is unending infinite reward why because Nabiya akramism wa was the last and final prophet and messenger nabi akramism did so much dawa ilallah nabi akramism had the most sabr nabi akramism had the most ibadah he had the most hamd he had so many things all of that is there in number 3, verse number 3. But what single aspect does Allah Ta'ala choose to point out in ayah number 4? adim. That indeed you are on عظيم, You are on the tremendous character. So the akhlaq of Sayyidina Rasulullah has been mentioned first and foremost. So this is this is Rahman Shahiq entirely. On this ayah, cannot teach all of that to you in of Seer And volumes and volumes of muhadditheen uh, on this ayah. Right? What I will simply say, I will take one aspect of it here. One aspect for us. That this azim akhlaq is part of the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah This azim akhlaq is part of the nabuwa of Sayyidina Rasulullah Means number one that he taught this Azim akhlaag to the Sahaba i Karam, radiAllahu ta'ala, anum Means Sahaba i Karam are also on this Azim khuluk, on this tremendous character. Second, it means that you and me are also supposed to be on this tremendous character because he taught this ummah this character. In fact, in Hadith in the motif, Ma'am Malik Sayyidina said that I have been sent to this world to teach people character. As a murabbi to train and people to perfect their noble character. And in Hades and said Sayyidina Abu Dardan said that the heaviest thing, heaviest, remember wasn't remember Ahsan amal. So now the tafsir of that. The heaviest thing on the scale of deeds of a mu'min of a believer will be good character. Allahu Akmar. So this is why we should not abandon this character. Discussion of character to the quote-unquote secular liberal who loves talking about character We have to reclaim the discourse of akhlaq in light of Quran and Sunnah Then another hadith uh, A particular hadith I wanted to mention Yes, two more hadith that we had selected for you one also from the Modim Malik to show that Nabiq wanted us to be like this. The very long hadith about Sayyidina <speaking> in <the> bin <Bible> Jabal the Prophet sent him to Yemen. When Sayyidina Mahdi bin Jabal when he mounted his steed and he put his foot into what we call the stirrup where you place your foot in the steed, Sayyidina so Sulasam looked at him. This was when he was about to part. So when he's about to leave the outskirts of Medina. What was the thing Sayyidina Rasulullah said to him? He said, O Mawaz, display your best character with the people of Yemen. Allahu Akbar. Be on your best behavior. And we would say, display your best akhlaq with the people of Yemen. And Ajib hadith in Abu Dawud That O Mawmanina Sayyidina Aisha, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that indeed with by means of tremendous character, a mu'min can reach the maqam in Jannah of those people who spend their entire night in tahajjud and their entire day in fasting. By means of their good character. Allah Akbar. So this is all I will comment about this. Obviously now the good character of the Prophet himself that is legendary and voluminous. But the fact that this Qur'an is a hidayah for us. The fact that the Prophet Sunnah and his Zad and his Sifat were Hidayah for us. That is what we will comment about on this ayah. So now verses number 8 onwards. <coughs> and do not obey those who deny, those who falsify deen. Those who falsify deen. وَدُّ لَوْ تُدْهِنُوا فَيُدْهِنُونَ What is it that they wish? The first thing that they wish, right? The first thing that they wish is that you would compromise on your deen. You will become flexible on your deen. And if you compromise, and they say, okay, then we will compromise. So what is this very important ayah that is a response to reformist thinkers? What is it? That first, it's a reality that the enemies of Islam will never accept any individual or society or ummah that remains steadfast on its deen. And you should not think, and you should not, the rapture in this and the earlier ayah is good akhlaq does not mean to compromise. Good akhlaq does not mean to do in Rome as the Romans do. No, no, no. You have to have tremendous akhlaq but never ever compromise on your deen, even when they claim that they will compromise. Even when they follow up on that, That make yourself a moderate society and we will stop our attacks on you. Even if you know that they will actually, many times they will be false in this, but even if you know they will be true in this, you can never ever compromise on your deen. So this is Quranul Karim, never to compromise on deen. So anyone who suggests that we should compromise, we should be flexible, we should be balanced, we should be enlightened, we should be moderate, and yes, you could even translate this ayah that they wish that you should be moderate so that they could become moderate with you. So Allah is saying is that don't, don't become like that, don't become like that. Then Allah Taala in verses number ten to sixteen is talking about a very specific disbeliever, uh, Walid Ibn Mu'rida who was a, one of the severe disbelievers and enemies of Sayyidina Rasulullah In these uh, ayat, Allah Ta'ala is going to mention 10 aspects of him. And Sayyidina Abdullah bin Nimbashwan the Imam and Sahaba said that he has never found Allah Ta'ala in so detail talking about any disbeliever as Allah Ta'ala talked about in this passage. For our sake, what we want to do is make sure that we don't have any one of these attributes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions and so number so number one in verse eight, don't follow those who falsify faith. Don't follow unbelievers. And number ten, don't follow Every person who is a halaf, halaf is Halaf is to take an oath, who excessively takes oath. To Barbar who keeps on taking oaths, don't obey that person. So what does this mean? This is an attribute, negative attribute. A person who is always swearing on everything they say, that is a sign. That is, first of all, an alama of a disbeliever. And it can also be a sign in a believer that they are on some type of falsehood. They are on some type of fabrication. So don't ever obey such a person. Second word used in this ayah is maheen. Maheen is that person whose ihana has been done, means whose toheen, you can say, has been done, who has been disgraced and humiliated. Don't follow such a person. Don't obey such a person. Then, verse number 11. Hamaz. Remember Humaza? Hamaz. That person who searches for the faults of others. That person who is a slander and is searching for the faults of others. You should never, and this means they also Hamaz. That they frequently search for the faults of others and they frequently backbite others. You should never ever follow such a person. Either Masha bin, and this is the person who does Namima is a slanderer who is carrying tales and transmitting trails from one person to another, especially slanderous lies, wicked tales. There's another attribute we should never fall somebody like that. Why? Because that person spreads rumors and causes enmity between others, causes shock between people, creates doubts between people, creates ill-will between people, severs the bonds between people. And the next attribute mentioned in the fifth attribute, verse number 12, lil khairi. Mana manna is extremely stopping people from khair, vehemently, extremely obstructs the good and prevents khair. Means strongly plots against it, forcefully prevents people from doing it. Right? Next, Mu'tadin, Athim. Mu'tadin is number six. Motadin is the person who transgresses, who does wicked transgression. Means they transgress the limits of permissibility in a way that is wicked, means in the set that they end up oppressing others. And Athim is the intense form of Athim. Is sin, Atim is sinner, Athim is grave sinner. Somebody who is deep and die hard sinner. Ninth verse number thirteen. Ba' the <inaudible> and then this person who is harsh, uh, you can say cruel, harsh and cruel, Ba' the <inaudible> and even best, notwithstanding that or besides that they're also Zanim, they're also Innoble noble and their person whose lineage is also uncertain it means that they are people who don't have hifazat al nasab they have not preserved their lineage their genealogy it means also they may be walad al zina they may be of notorious descent they may be a child born of disrepute and the tenth sign and fourteen Even, and they do all, sorry, the 9 signs, and then the 10th thing, uh, 9 negative attributes, all of this, how did they have these 9 negative attributes, specifically Walid, but even any other kafir who falls under this description, all of this happened because they were the malimu banin, because they had wealth and they had sons. So they had physical, oh they had worldly property and possessions, and they also had worldly relations. So that ended, that brought them into every one of these negative character traits. So we should make sure that we don't have any one of these things inside of us. What happens to them? This, in this particular person also believed lead, إِذَا ayatuna. When the verses of our revelation, revelation recited to him, Allah, what did he say? Asatirul الْأَوْوَلِينَ That these are just fables and myths of the ancients. These are just stories of the old folks. So what did Allah's sponsor say? Sanan simuhu khurtum. Khurtum, actually in English, she would translate snout, snout. Actually, we really believe had a big nose. So Allah ta'ala is using like Allah ta'ala is teasing as a light word. Allah wa Taala is mocking him by saying that we're going to brand you on his snout. When did this happen? Alhamdulillah, in the Battle of Badr, Battle of Badr, Badr, uh, he was attacked with a sword, and part of his big nose was struck off in a way that he was left disfigured, and therefore then became ugly. This was his punishment in this world, but he will have a tremendous punishment in the Akhirah. Verses 17 to 33 are mentioning a long incident. So I will explain this incident to you first. These are, uh sometimes you can call them... Um, it says Ashabul Jannah, but here by Jannah doesn't mean Jannah. Here Jannah means the garden, the grove, the orchard. So you can call this the incident of the people of the grove or the orchard. So this is a long hadith mentioned in the books of Tafsir, and this is also, by the way, another place in Tafsir that we would show you sometimes. And since I'm here in Karachi this time, I will mention to you, there is no single Sahih hadith about who the people of the orchard or grove are means you cannot understand quran or kareem without ghair-sahiyyadith means you can't understand deen without ghair sahih So, and I've mentioned this several times and I haven't even mentioned I wanted to actually make a record of this inshallah one day if we can compile a record of every single ayah of Qur'an that number one cannot be understood without hadith therefore you cannot get hidayah from it unless you understand who is being talked about And what is being referred to? And number two, the Hidayah is there, but it is in Ghair Sahih We can establish that you can only get Hidayah from Qur'an if you accept Ghair Sahih and the way the Muhaddiqeen accepted Ghir Sahih Hadith, because that's a separate thing to show you, that all Muhaddiqeen accepted the use of Ghir Sahih Hadith, yes, according to certain ulum and Usul, and every single Mufassir, every single Arabic Urdu Tafsir that we have ever come across has use of Ghir Sahih Hadith. So contemporary people who like to say that we only believe in Sahih Hadith. The same people and women at night read these same tafsirs in Urdu and they come and teach their students on the basis of these Urdu tafsirs and confess and even honestly generally say that to their students. Let me read the wonderful Quran of Mufti Muhammad Shafiri ta'ala, which is based on the classical Arab, Arabic tafasir such as qurtubi and Ibn Kathir every single one of them and in all likelihood although I don't listen to those women's audios but in all likelihood they probably also end up using those hadith to explain those verses of Quran because there's no way there's certain verses of Quran there's no way you can explain them without using those hadith and yes those hadith according to uloom and Asulah Muhadithin Ghair Sahih but yes according to Muhammad Haditheen and Mufasrin and Fuqaha the use of those ghar sahiyatis in Tafsir is absolutely permissible but it goes against the propaganda that they put forth that we only believe and accept sahiyatis their own darsi Quran <laughs> itself is a testament against that so this is one example of that right uh, people so who are these people so these were three brothers it starts off, there's a place in Yemen called Sana. There's a place certain distance from Sana, where there was a large group of people who had cultivated massive, uh, you know, let's say gardens and orchards and fruit and etc. And one of those very, and they were very generous and charitable people as well. One of those people passed away and then his orchard, his gardens passed away to his three sons. His three sons, when again season came and the harvest of the fruit was ripe for plucking, they conferred with one another. And they made a decision that, look, if we continue being as generous to the poor as our father was, they used their akal. They said, then actually all of our fruits will run out and sooner or later there will be nothing left for us. Meanwhile, the poor people were so used to their father always giving them, so they used to appear in masses, at the time of the season of harvesting and plucking the fruit. So, what did they decide to do? They decided that what we will do is we're going to pluck the flute extremely early in the morning before the poor people normally show up, and we will take all the fruit off every tree in our fruit grove and orchard, and then we will go back with that before even they show up, before they're even able to arrive. So, this was the plan they made, and they were believers. They were believers. But they didn't say, insha'Allah, they didn't say if Allah Ta'ala so wills at that time. Alright. Then what happened was that overnight, before they could wake up early in the morning and carry out their plan, overnight Allah Ta'ala sent a devastation on their harvest, devastation on their fruit grove, such that it became such like nothing else, it became like a harvested crop. means they came and every single tree and stem had the fruit gone from it. As if somebody had plucked every single last pluck. And you go to a field that's already been harvested. That's the way that you can say it's empty as if it is already harvested. So, when they saw that, then first thing that's going to happen is they're going to think that, oh, we lost it. This must not be our place. (laughs) Maybe we took a wrong turn somewhere. And they tried to find their own orchard and own fruit grove and garden. But they realized that, no, it is indeed our own. Then from the three of them, there is one of them. There's one of them. al-satuhum. Now some have translated this literally as the middle in age. Others have translated awsat as being the one who was the most balanced of them, the truer of the three. So he will then say that no, no, this happened to us because we didn't say insha'Allah, we didn't glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then all three brothers will then make toba, right? They will make toba. And then Sayyidina Abdul bin Masudul no, he says, call mention and observe that because the tomb of their brothers were so sincere, then Allah سبحانه later gave them fruit orchards and vineyards of vine means gr- grapes, not wine. Vineyard means grape vines, right? Uh, that were so abundant that they were even more abundant than what they had before. So this is the background for verses number seventeen to thirty-three. Again, we are in Surah at and indeed we have tested them, we have tested these disbelievers, as we tested and tried those people of the orchard, when, إذا قسموا ل يسرمونها when they swore that they would مصبحين, when the morning came, that they would harvest it, they would fluck all of that fruit, وَلَا يَسْتَثْنُونَ, and but they did not say, right, literally they did not say, istithna. this is what it means to say, inshallah. So the it, but they did not say InshaAllah. Fatafa Rabbika. So then a party from your rub came and encircled that orchard. Wahum Naimun when they were in such a state while they were sleeping. And then what happened? So then what happened in the morning? Their orchard was kasrim as if it was already a harvested orchard. Stripped to the bear. Stripped bare. So what happened? Fatana musbihin. When they woke up in the morning, they called to each other, and what did they say? Allah harthikum in kuntum That let's go early to our plantation if we're going to pluck it and leave it bare. So they quickly hurried off in that direction. Wahum fakun. And they were saying and speaking to one another in hushed tones. أَنْ <laughs> And then And no poor person Don't let any poor person Come into us And enter into our presence On this day And so then they set off determined And they proceeded to their uh, Garden And what was their thought? They proceeded in their thought that they were going to harvest it and they were going to withhold from the people Right means that they went in a state of determination to do exactly what we said to harvest everything and to withhold everything from the poor that when they saw their orchard bare and stripped they said we must have surely lost the way Bal nahnu mahrumun, But then they realized that, no, in fact, we have been deprived. We have been deprived of our fruit. قَالَ So this is what I said, that you can say the most balanced of them. Some translate as, as the middle brother. Others have translated this as the uh, righteous brother. The one who was the most righteous and virtuous amongst them. Alright? He said to them, Alam and this is why they translate it as righteous. Because what they say, didn't I say to you, Lola to تُسَبِّهُونَ That you should, uh, you, you should do the tasbih of Allah subhanahu That why don't you glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the suggestion here is that when there are three people and two have a bad intention, one has a good intention, even two can prevail over one. Because otherwise above was the plural, all three were walking together going to do it. So he had originally perhaps tried them to talk out of it. Perhaps, now again, we don't know these details, right? But perhaps what he meant by glorify Allah was, maybe that would remind his brothers that we should remain charitable. Maybe he was just reminding them not of that, that okay, I agree with you, we should not give charity anymore. But let's say, inshallah first, Allahu Allah. But he was at least better than the other two. But still the other two came with ghalib on him. So this shows the effects of suhbah so either way, so when then he said to his two brothers that we didn't say Subhan, so what did they say? Kalu, all three of them said, Subhan Rabbana, inna kunna zhalimeen. Glory be to our Rabb. Indeed, we are amongst the wrongdoers, oppressors, we are criminal. Alright, now when they say this, but then what do they do? In verse number 30, they're going to blame one another. Ala so it means they each faced off with one another, turned against one another doing mulama blaming one another, and then Kalu, then all of a sudden they all then together expressed in unison, ya lana inna kunna Then they realized again they went back, reason we're not supposed to blame one another. But woe to us, indeed we were the transgressors, and now they turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Asad perhaps our Rabb. Ai Minha Then maybe our Rab now we turn to him in tawbah he will give us even better than that. Inna and indeed we are turning in Ragbah towards our Rab, we turn in yearning towards him. And this, such, this is the punishment of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the punishment of the Akhirah is even greater than this. Lo Kanu ya if only they knew. Now, what does this mean? Allah is not ending in this note that He didn't accept their dua. Right? And I told you that the seers say that Allah accepts, because we know this from our deen, even without having a hadith to show it to us. That any sincere mu'min who turns to Allah subhanahu and says that indeed, we have transgressed, we were the wrongdoers, we oppressed ourselves. And then they make dua to Allah ta'ala. And then they say, that we are turning and yearning towards Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And we have confidence in Allah subhanahu ta'ala. This is the way of Allah ta'ala that is going to grant them. Allah ta'ala is talking about their initial act. What is Allah ta'ala addressing these believers? That they fail to say, subhanAllah, once they failed to say insha'Allah once and glorify Allah Ta'ala by saying insha'Allah. They had a thought to deprive others. So Allah Ta'ala punished them completely initially in the sense that He rendered their orchard stripped bare. Complete loss. Khasirun. So, Allah saying, is infinitely more and like this will be the punishment of the akhirah. That imagine when, so the subah came when they woke up and they went. So, here the Kana is that when you are raised from the dead and you wake up and you see you're in complete loss. You see you have no harvest of your a'mal. You have no fruits, no samarat. No thamarat of the dunya that were valid in the akhirah. You find that everything is void. Even this is when the mu'mineen, they are afraid of lack of kubuliya from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That what if they did so much harvest in this world, they did so much a'mal in this world, but when they come to Allah ta'ala on of judgment, they see that their book of deeds is completely empty, has been stripped bare. So this, all of these lessons are here in this passage of Qur'an al-Karim. And that is why, as we mentioned to those of you who were there last week in Lahore, that this was the fear, fear of the, awliya fear that their amal would be maqbool in the law, would be accepted by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Then Allah Taala then makes it clear in verse thirty four on the reward for the faithful and pious and fearful in the muttaqina in the in that indeed for the muttakeen and in the in, the, in Arabic is for qurb so what does it mean? You can say Inda Rabbihim, you can say with their Rub, but in the Rabbihim really to get a feeling for it it should say near their rub near their rub. Right? So they will have them, but Inda the, is for kurb so they near their rub near their rub said, what does that mean? In the presence of their rub. The will their jannat will be in that place where one can always do ru'ya, one can always gaze upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they will have jannat in Na'im, or they will have gardens of happiness and bliss. Then Allah says, al muslimina kal mujrimeen should we treat those who submit in the same way as those who are criminal? Should we treat those who submit and obey in the same manner as we treat those who disobey? Because some people think like that. The secular, non-practicing, quote-unquote, progressive Muslim today. Things like that. The amal karo, na karo, kya fark hai? Allah <laughs> Ta'ala ko maaf Now whether I practice or not, obey or not, submit or not, I will end up in the same way because it's the same mercy of Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Ta'ala says, no, I'm not going to treat people like that the same. They won't have the same outcome in the akhirah. Malakum, what's the matter with you? Keifa Tahkumun, how do you judge? How is it that you are thinking of judging humanity, that humanity should be judged equally, irrespective of whether they have iman or not, irrespective of whether they obey or disobey Allah ta'ala or not, you want them to be judged simply on the basis of some spiritually sanitized secular morality? Malakum, what has happened to you? Kayfa on what basis, how is it that you are thinking to judge? Allahu Am Amlukum kitabun fihi? Tadrusun, do you have a book with you? A revealed scripture. Kitab means you have a revealed scripture, some authority and warrant from me that you are tadrusoon, that you are studying. in فِيهِ lama تَخَيَّرُونَ And in that book that you study wherein you have been assured and you have been taught what it is that you choose, you have some authority, scriptural authority for what you say. Um, or do you have lukum Manu alayna do you have do you have an oath from us Allah Ta'ala saying that to people that you have you taken some covenant is there some oath or covenant that is binding on Allah Ta'ala with you and that that will last ila yawm al qiyamah that you think that until the day of judgment you have free you can do whatever you want in the lukum lama tahkumun that you shall have whatever you wish and decide that your hukum clear-cut answer to whether it's secular liberalism or in its more common feature found in Pakistan illiberal secularism but any notion of secularism which says you don't need to submit, you don't need to obey you don't need to believe and any secularized, non-practicing believer who believes those things right that you can judge, you have the power of hukum in the hukum, you will have whatever it is that you decide whatever it is that you judge whatever laws that you want to make you should have all of that Salhum. So ask. <coughs> ask them. In, in the B you should ask them Ayyuhum Zaim, that which one will vouch for this? Which one will give a guarantee for this? Which one will provide a surety for this? Of that they have such a scripture, or they have been given such an oath. Third, Amlahum <speaking people> Shuraqa or do they have partners? I Means do they have partner gods? So fine, let them bring their allies and their partners if indeed they are telling the truth. Strong words from al meaning, Ba mahavra English tarjama, bring them on if you have them. Bring whatever you have to the table. O oh disbelievers, bring your secular philosophies, bring your partners, bring your allies, bring your friends, bring whatever you have. Allahu akmir This is the might and power of Allah ta'ala. Might and power of Allah SWT. So we should never think like that. We have nothing. We have nothing except for Allah SWT. Now very, very interesting two ayat of Qur'an al-Kareem. We have to spend a little bit of time on this. Verses 42 and 43. يَوْمَ ansaq. That this is the day when the shin of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be revealed. What does that mean? It's so don't even say it like that. The day the shin is bared and revealed. And these people will be summoned to do sajda. They will be called to prostrate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. fala but they will be unable to do so. So what does that mean? I'm gonna leave the first part for a moment. They will be asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment to do sajda to him. But the kufar and munafiqeen will be in such a tragic and pitiful state. They will not be able to do sajda. And the reasons for Allah says not hukam. Yud'auna. Wa yud'auna ilas sujoon. They will be invited to do sajda. Obviously the kuffar and munafiq cannot disobey Allah. They will be invited. Why will they be unable to do it? Because Allah Ta'ala will decree that the reason they will have and what will have do that in a moment. The reason they will be unable to prostrate is that because they didn't do sajda when they were invited to do sajda on earth. Whether that is literally the sajda in Ibadah, they didn't do worship of Allah ta'ala on earth, or they didn't do sajda in Taslim, they didn't bow to His command and decree and dictates on earth. So because they didn't do it when they were invited to do so on earth, they would be unable to do so when they are invited to do so by Allah ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. <laughs> their gazes and eyes will be downcast hum Zilla. Zilla disgrace and humiliation will overwhelm them, will surround them, will overwhelm and overcome them. And indeed earlier means previously means in the life of this world they were called upon and invited to do sardah when wahum in such a had that they were whole and healthy, they were still well yani in the world, and they refused to do so. So now they will be in a state of dillah. they will be over, they will be surrounded by this. So then what does the person say? فَذَلْنِي وَمَن يُقَذِبُ بِهَذَا that So Allah Ta'ala says, leave me, ذَرَجْهُورُ مُجَيْءُ أُرْ أُسْكُسَاتُ Allahu Akbar. Can you imagine then what type of punishment is going to fall on such a person? Hmm? Like somebody says to you, right? Somebody says to catch him and say, just leave me and him alone. You guys go. Just leave him to me. Right? Allahu Akbar. Ajeeb. فَذَنِّي يَكَذِّبُ That Allah saying, saying in Quran, Leave me alone with that person who is daring to falsify and deny and repudiate. This hadith means this Qur'an al-Kareem. Here hadith literally means this message. This message, this speech, this narration of revelation. Allahu Akbar. سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُمْ مِنْ لَا that we will surely gradually lead them out lead them into destruction, يعلمون, from a way that they won't even realize. But umlilahum and Allah says, in this world I'm granting them reprieve, respite, first sh- I will let them be for a short time. In na matin. But my kid, Allah Ta'ala's kid, my planning is is Mateen. My planning is formidable, unshakable, inescapable, inevitable. Alright, now let's go back. First thing, Yoma Yukshafu and So what does this mean? Sa'q this is the shin of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Now obviously this is the strange thing to say. So this is also from the Mutashabihat. It's not literally as if Allah has a leg and Allah is going to bear that leg for them, right? and then ask them to do sajdah why is this expression there several meanings one it's a metaphor that even today sometimes we say that i want to fall at your feet so the notion of sajda is to put our atla at the service of even the adna part of someone so for the way human beings understand sujood and sajda is to fall and that's why even the english expression captures the arabic idiom to fall at the feet of someone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have feet or leg right Okay, but what it means that Allah Subhanahu will manifest? This is now the tafsir of this ayah by the ulama of ma'rifah and Batin. Allah Subhanahu will manifest the most adna light of His Tajalli. That is what is meant by saq. Actually, we are supposed to bow to Allah Taala due to His 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 azmat, His Asma, his all of His Majesty and Might, right? But the point is, Allah Ta'ala is going to show in the judgment, even the slightest, least of his tajalli, is also something that warrants sujood. And if Allah Ta'ala is a being, that the slightest drop of his tajalliyat merits it we should do sajda to him. So imagine that all of his kibriya and azmat, how much that merits that we should only and only do sajda to him, physically prostrate in ibadah and also submit only and only to his hukum and decree. Then what will happen? Their cases will be gassed down. So now the ulama have written that the mu'mineen will respond differently. What will happen? The kufar and mushrikeen will look down. They will be disgraced. And Dillah will overwhelm them and overcome them. The mu'mineen when they see the slightest drop of Allah Ta'ala tajalli, that is when they will look up. There's the opposite. These will look down. They will look up and they will do the ru'iyah of Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Why was this? Because what happens on the Day of Judgment, even Mu'mineen, the ru'ub of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the haibah, the awe-inspiring fear that they have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what would give them the himma to look up and do ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests, so they will see, the Mu'mineen will see the Jamal and that Tajalli, the Mushrikeen and Kuffar will see the Jalal and that Tajalli. When they see the Jalal, not the jali, they will keep looking down. The Mu'mineen, when they see the Jamal, even though they're so afraid of Allah taala, when they see one infinitesimal reflection or manifestation of it, just a drop of His beauty, that beauty will attract them so much. They will have now so much ragbat, so much talab, so much yearning that the yearning for the jamal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will overwhelm their awe inspiring haiba and fear they have and then they will look up and they will be able to do the didar of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is why also Allah SWT did the metaphor of saq because even the Mu'mineen are looking down. So ankle level <laughs> It will be put in there because they're looking at down. So at that level of their gaze, Allah Ta'ala is going to manifest His tajalli. That is the metaphor of Salk. Then verse 44, I was, when I was reading this before coming to you, so another thought occurred to me, although I won't share that with you entirely. Because thoughts that occurred to me are not normally worth sharing in tafsir. But it occurred to me that, you know, that person who falsifies Qur'an... And so there are people like that. Right? There are people today who give false tafsir of Qur'an. Falsely present interpret interpreted Qur'an. Maybe instead of trying to actively refute them and counter them... Maybe we should just leave them to Allah SWT. Now, because we don't wish anyone to face this destruction that originally is for walid here, right? But, we will make dua of hiday for that person but what we will think is that, okay, Allah Ta'ala's planning is formidable. So maybe Allah Ta'ala will see to it that their misguidance doesn't end up misguiding people. Many times what happens is a person in the field, when you see somebody misguiding, if you don't have enough zarf, you want to react, you want to respond, you want to counter them. The greatest example I could think of. Now, don't misunderstand or take this out of context. So, don't misunderstand and take this out of context. Don't take it out of context and then misunderstand. <laughs> right? Sometimes when I think about this and at a per- personal level when we hear and listen sometimes to people who are spreading gross misguidance within Islam. So sometimes I think of our ulama Band, And they lived at the time of Mirza Ghulam and Kaliyani. How did they berdash him? Mujh Kabi to aaj ke to karne wale and amazingly, none of them issued a fatwa to kill him. He lived his entire life as Allah, Allah decreed and then he died of some sickness or illness, right? Gitna Amazing. Amazing. Kitna So then when I looked at this eye, maybe that's how they had this zarf. It's not to look just leave such a person. Make du'a for their hidayah. Yes, maybe warn people about them. But ultimately, penultimately don't lose sleep overnight. Leave their Mamla to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Okay. This eye also, so now we resume. This ayah number, verse 44, also is saying uh, that one of the forms of 44 and 45 is that one of the punishments of El is gradual. He may not instantly strike someone down, not always strike everyone down from the sky. He will let people continue, right? That is part of His mercy, always chance for Toba. That is also part of his hidayah, always chance that the person may follow hidayah. But ultimately, if the person doesn't repent and doesn't follow hidayah, then Allah Ta'ala's planning is formidable, inescapable, deliberate, and perfect. And Allah Ta'ala will see to it uh, that their matter is taken care of. Verse 46, 47, then um, so this was a series of um, do they have a scripture, have they taken a covenant and pledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, do they have allies, let them call them, now the last two in this series, um, tas tas'aluhum, that have you, or have you, Prophet some? ask them, ajran, are you asking them for money, remuneration, is that why they're not following you, you're going to tax them like today's imams tax people, hmm? You're going to make them give 10% of their earnings to you. Ajan fahum min mag. So it means no, right? This cannot be a reason, right? Fahum min magra min balloon That they are feeling the sickle, feeling the weight of a burden. And so they don't want to be burdened by this remuner- remuneration. That the problem, remuneration that the apostle is asking of them. Am um, or... In the Humul Ghaeb or do they have Ghayb means do they have the knowledge of the unseen? Right? Do they have some secret for Hum yaktubun, which they're busy writing down, they have some other secret knowledge? What does that mean? Do they have knowledge of the scene? This is another, again, hypothetical question. Allah Ta'ala is questioning, why do they deny Qur'an? Why do they deny the and why are they denying the existence of Allah Ta'ala? Is it on this basis? On this basis? On this basis? So the answer to all these questions is no, they have no such thing. So then Allah Ta'ala says, فَاسْبِرْ لِفُكْمِ رَبَّكَ So it means initially, O Nabiya, then you be patient. Don't worry, let them say whatever they say. I've given them muhla on earth. Be patient, me until the decree of your rub, decree and judgment of your rub comes. And this I mentioned a few days ago. Allah And don't become like that one. This is really this. You can't get this thing. Or jo jo Actually, Allah Taala is talking about sayna or Yunus another nabi. Right? Allah is telling Sayyidina Rasulullah, what happened to Sayyidina Yunus? This much we can say, did not have as. was not at the level of the Prophet. Right? But here, actually, Allah is guiding the Prophet, suggesting that it is possible that you could also become so distressed and disappointed and heartbroken by all of the opposition of the people whom you are calling to. You may also want to just flee them. So Allah says, don't be like them. fasbir. دَجْعَ Be steadfast, persevere, be patient, have fortitude. لِحُكْمِ rabbika And wait for the judgment and decree of your Rabb. وَلَا And don't become like a sahib hoot. Like the person who, meaning you know, the, the one in the whale. إِذْ wa huwa مَقْذُومٌ And when he called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he was in grief. When he was in grief. And then again the benyazi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar law la anta dalakhu ni'matun min rabbi that if the ni'ma if the grace from his rabb had not reached him nabi yunus alayhis if it was not from the ni'ma and grace of his rabb that had reached him lanubiza bilhara lanubiza bilhara wa huwa that he would have ended up, he would have been cast onto a barren shore where he would never have been retrieved. Instead of the whale expelling him back onto populated land, the whale could have gone and swam into some, like imagine, far away oh, island, and had cast him off there on a barren shore, and what would have happened with from them, which means disgraced, which means blameworthy, which means reprimanded. تَدَارَكُهُ مِّن لَنُّبِذَ وَهُوَ That he would have ended up stranded and as a castaway. So then what happened, right? Uh, I mean instead what had actually happened... Fajtabahu Rabbuhu That Allah subhanahu selected him. Like Nabi Mustafa, mustaba Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So here's Allah Ta'ala such a level of grace that he continued to keep Sayyidina Yusuf Sa'am and his and made him mustaba فَاجْتَبَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَجَعَلَهُ مِنَ الصالحين. So his Rabb selected him and his Rabb made him from amongst the Salihin, from amongst the righteous ones. Alright? So what happened? This was his human nature. This is not, Sayyidina Yusuf did not commit any sin. This was his error or slip from his humanity that he thought that he had delivered the message and they're refusing and they're taunting and they're mocking. So fine, I delivered it. It's not like he didn't deliver the message. And in fact, you know, some of the other words, verses that Allah Ta'ala used in Quran about the Mubin. Sayyidina Yusuf did that. He did Balaq al Mubin. He clearly, plainly. Delivered the message. Right? Uh, and then he felt that it was to go. So, say, uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the apostles. Don't be like that. Not only if you deliver the message. You must remain in them. You must face and confront their oppression and persecution of you. And you must face that with sabr. With endurance and steadfastness and fortitude and patience. And last two ayat of Surah Al-Qalam. وَإِنْ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Then when the disbelievers... Are, okay, it seems... وَإِنْ يَقَادُوا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَيُزْلِقُونَكَ بِأَبْسَارِهِمْ لَمَّا سَمِعُوا الذِّكْرَ وَيَكُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونَ So, سَمِعُوا الذِّكْرَ means when they hear the reminder, when they hear the Qur'an al-Kareem... It seems as if they could almost make you slip with the intense gaze that they're looking upon you. This I'll explain in a moment. Right? And then what do they say? And this is what they do. So in this intense, overwhelmed emotional state, right? what happens? Remember I told you Sama should have been before Akal. They put Akal before Sama. So their akal, their own rationality told them that the Prophet is not Prophet, we cannot follow him, we cannot accept him. So when they hear the dhikr, when they hear the reminder, when they hear the recital, when they hear the remembrance, when they hear Qur'an al-Karim, that, at that moment they say to the Prophet what is happening, Allah is showing the height of their kufr. One is okay if somebody who hasn't heard the Muslim say Qur'an, on hearsay to call majnoon. But for a disbeliever to hear Kalamullah from the lips of the blessed Rasulullah. And at that moment to say this sentence, in la Majnun. So how did this happen? The first part of the ayah is explaining so that they look at you and their gaze with you is such stern gaze of stern either anger. Some have said anger and disapproval or some have said Hasad two tafsir of this either they're anger for you or they're hasad for you and it could even be so Alama ibn Kathir tafsir says this verse it is a Quranic proof of the gaze of envy the envier of the envy it says there and elsewhere exactly for this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala originally that surah is actually for the Prophet that you have to make you Nibir Karim again you are immortal you are an Abd. Even though you are the greatest Nabi, you will have to make dua to Allah Ta'ala and seek refuge in Him. In him. Hasid in izasar, from the envy, from the evil of the envy of the envier when he envies. So the hasad of the hasad is established. The fact that the shara of that hasad can even just be done through basr, through gaze, Allahumma ibn Kathiram at this point, and this ayah says that it is established here, and he quotes many, many hadith as well one famous hadith in Tirmidhi is Al Ainu Hakkun Al Ainu Hakkun means that uh, evil the eye the gaze is true is a reality has an effect has a real effect alright and others have said that they were gazing at the Apostle with anger over what he was preaching and anger over the support that he was getting and they say that the Apostle illa dhikr and also, huwa illa lil and the Quran al is nothing but a reminder for all of the alamin. So, it. It makes it clear in Quran al-Karim that the Quran is a reminder for every single person in the universe. All right. Either way, when the disbelievers saw in this world uh, That the Prophet ﷺ got so much following Or in the Akhirah they will see How true the Nabuat of Nabiya Karim ﷺ was So word number 69, Al-Haqqa Here again you have al Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Haqqa So here Al-Haqqa Again the very 1st um Ayah is the name of the Surah and this al you can translate as the inevitable, the inescapable, the imminent, the momentous event, the real event. If anything is really going to happen, what is that thing that is really going to happen? That is the Day of Judgment. That is this momentous, imminent, inescapable, tremendous, inevitable event inevitable also by Haq because hak truth is inevitable inescapable you cannot deny reality right so that ultimate what is it that is that momentous inevitable inescapable event and in day wa ma and what will it can say what can make you understand what can inform you initially Initial idra what will inform you about what it is. But idra can also mean that what will let you understand and know. What power is it? Because this event is so momentous, so tremendous, so real. What is it that can inform you about it or enable you to understand what this Alhaka is and what it will be? Allah hukmar. This is the day of judgment. Then this is the people of Thamud. We have done them earlier in detail in Quran. They were destroyed <coughs> They were destroyed They were destroyed by a storm uh, that Allah subhanahu wa taala sent to them. And this storm, some you can also say the shriek or the deafening sound. So it's this piercing mm, wind with this shrieking sound and as for the people of Aad, for, and they were destroyed by this icy tempestual wind by a violent, furious gale force. This is the way we translated when we did this earlier, a violent windstorm, or you can say a gale force wind. What does this mean? Here Allah Ta'ala is simply mentioning, again, Adnathamud. they were the people who did not have idraq about Al-Haqqa. They had been informed by their respective Anbiya, but they couldn't get idrak. They couldn't let it penetrate them. They didn't know and understand that their life wasn't changed by it. So then here Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the destruction of those communities who falsified Qiyamah, who did not believe in Al-Haqqa. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Unleashed this This continuation Unleashed that gale force Wind and violent storms upon them Upon them Seven nights and days Means seven consecutive nights And eight consecutive days Seven consecutive nights So this is an intense Intense destruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That he sent upon them <clears throat> so you would have seen them that they were lying flat leveled on the ground they were lying flat and leveled on the ground as if they were hollowed out stumps of fallen date palm trees. As if they were hollowed out trunks of date palm trees. Alright? Just like if you've seen a trunk just lying on the ground. Imagine just hordes of trunks. They're just lying flat, hollow, immobile. That is the way they were. Falta <laughs> Fahaltadahumba. Has any, can you see that any one of them remained? That any one of them survived this punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. wa man And then Fir'aun and all of his predecessors and those who came before him. muta'fikatu, And all of those cities and communities who were overthrown. Bil-kha-ti'ah. And they were overthrown because of what they committed habitual sin. Because of the regular commission of sin. Main sin, rabbihim That disobeyed the messenger of their Rabb that was sent to them. So that same Rabb, akhdatan So that that Rabb then he seized them most severely. He punished them most punishingly. إِنَّ لَمَّ تَغَلْمَاءُ حَمَلْنَاكُمْ فِي الْجَارِيَةِ And then when the water flooded them, water became high tide, turbulent, overwhelmed them, flooded them. That Hamal Fil Jariya that we carried you, all of humanity in the sense of your forefathers, Nuh Islam and the believers, because this is the second coming of humanity, or he means the second Adam Islam, the second forefather. So in that sense Al Ta's used the word you, Hamal Fil Jariya. Jari means the boat, sometimes in Christian English they call this the ark and the ship. So that we could make this an a تَذْكِرَةٌ So we could make all of this a reminder and advice and admonishment for you. And so that the ears may keep it in memory. So that the heedful ears could hear and listen to this. So that those who remember would remember. That is the maybe... Uh, slightly loose translation but the easiest way so the preserving ear may preserve it so those the remembering ear may remember it all right here then in the beginning Allah is not right now telling us what al-haqa is it's not explaining to us simply the real thing about the day of judgment is that it is haq. Elsewhere in Quran, yes, there is some details of it, descriptions of it, right? And there's some of that coming here as well. But the real first and foremost understanding of the Day of Judgment is its haqqaniyah is its ultimate, inescapable, irrefutable, inevitable, imminent reality. Alright, that's the first thing. Then from 13 onwards, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, well not from 13 onwards, but from 13 up to... 20 or so, Allah Spantale will mention some features of that day. First, So when it will be blown into the trumpet and into the horn. So when it will be blown into it, when the trumpet is blown into, means it will be sounded once. It will be sounded once. So the first thing that happens when it is sounded once is all of the universe will be folded up. All of creation will come to an end. So here, and this is mentioned many places. In fact, sorry, many places, many of them are coming. This is the major feature of the 29th and 30th Juz of Quran. Descriptions of the Day of Judgment. Descriptions of the unfolding of events of the Day of Judgment. Depictions of the... Uh, Folding away of creation and humanity on the day of judgment and so what is going to happen that all of the will so the earth and the mountains will be picked up one and all and lifted wahida and then they will be all be smashed to smithereens all at once. Just everything will be just picked up and crushed and smashed to smithereens. Demolished and crushed all at once wahida at once In one fell stroke In one single blow In one single hukam and decree Allah Sponsor will make that happen So this is also Surah Surah Al-Waqiyah This is the event So for then this is that day What day? This is the day on which the event will happen That That which will take place will take place what is supposed to be walk will be walk right uh, what will come to pass will come to pass that inevitable will come to pass. Next description of that folding of creation from one was about the other the one and about the top and then what will happen? It means that the sky will be rent asunder. the sky will be rent asunder. You can say the sky will be split apart. And it will be why it is Wahya means it's absolutely fragile, flimsy, weak on that day. No substance, no power. وَالْمَلَكُ arja iha, And so there will be angels at its size or at its ends and that day Wa Yahmalu Arsha Rabbika whom Yoma is in And then eight angels will bear the Arsh of Ar Rahman will bear the Arsh of Rabbika, Arsh of your rub above them. They will be carrying it above them on that day. All right. <coughs> Eight angels will be carrying the arsh of Allah سبحانه. First, you should know is that arsh is a physical creation. Yes, Allah Ta'ala is not physically on the arsh. No. Arsh is a physical creation. Yes. Angels are a physical creation, so eight angels can physically carry the arsh and the throne of Allah سبحانه. But Allah is not sitting on that arsh. Nor is there anything in this ayah that is saying that. It's just saying the angels will be carrying the arsh of Allah above them. This we've explained before when we did istiwa al-Arsh that Allah is beyond having a body or physicality or position or to be situated on top of the arsh. Why are the angels carrying the arsh? Number one, is that this is that one of few parts of creation that will not be folded up on the Day of Judgment. Second, the arsh is a symbolic manifestation of the unique and exclusive might and power and dominion and sovereignty of Allah Subhanahu. So that arsh, it's almost like the arsh is like the flag of Allah Subhanahu. It's not the throne where Allah sits. So you know when there's a big army and they're coming in, so there are eight flag bearers. So, everyone can see that what the army is doing is being done in the name of the government of this flag. Put it that way. Right? So, the eight angels, when they're carrying the arsh, the arsh is from the Sha'irullah. It's an emblem of Allah. Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. It's an emblem that it is His mulk. What's being done on this day is the day of decree, the day of reality. It is happening due to the power and will and wish of Allah. Alright? All okay. Verse number 18. <coughs> so on that day of judgment, On that day, every single human being says, so You will all be exposed and presented, and nothing of yours, no secret of yours even will be hidden. Nothing will remain hidden. Allah literally means "peshona." ki Peshhi asi huagi ki ab koi makhfi Allahu be presented to Allah in such a way. Then what happens when everything is revealed, then the book of deeds will be handed into a person. And as for that person who is given, uh, that their book of deeds is placed and bestowed and given to them in their right hand, this is a meaning, right, that they will become from the Ashabu Yameen, they will enter into Jannah. For Yokulu. So he will be so happy, so happy, even though there are probably maybe still also some sense there, but he will be so happy to get it in his right hand for you, so he will say, Ha that you should ha mu that you should come, come, everybody come, come, come. and you should come and read my book. <laughs> read my record. Allah Akbar. Inni zanantu anni mulaqin hisa'iya, hisabiya. That what is the one thing he presents about himself, right? That I always viewed myself, that one day I would be mulaq, I would meet my hisab. I never so, what is the feeling? Very important, what is the emotion? What is the emotional feeling due to which a person is able to write a good book of deeds? And therefore, when it is read out in front of everyone on the Day of Judgment, it will come in their right hand, and they will want others to read it as well. Because they wrote it in such a way, and their are Very important ayah for those of you who have studied Usul, verse number 20, that elsewhere in Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala has used the word done to use mere speculation. And some critics of Usul will quote those ayahs and make it sound that, oh, you think that Khabar Wahid is Zanni, so why do you use that? So that is also deception by the quote-unquote Salafi, that no, the word zan in Quran is not always used just in mere speculation. Here clearly, Inni zanantu is not that the person is not saying, yeah, I speculated, I thought perhaps, maybe small chance, no, no. Here, zanantu means Yaqeen. Inni zanantu means this was always and always my outlook and perspective. That I will certainly meet and have to face my reckoning. And I always considered and was convinced about this. And therefore I lived a good life. Because I was prepared for this hisab. So what will happen for Huafi in al diya? So then such a person will be in a pleasurable, pleasing life and lifestyle. And will be in lofty and exalted and high ranking gardens. And what will happen for daniya and the fruits of those gardens will be near at hand. Kulu washabu hani bima aslaftum that you should eat and you should drink means with pleasurably pleasurably and as a re- pleasurably and blissfully and as a reward from Allah because of all of the deeds because you earned it in days gone by means you sent deeds ahead right because of all of the deeds you sent ahead Fil in the days that gone that were gone by. And as far as that one whose book of deeds is placed in his left hand, and what will he do for Ya So what he will say he will he or she what will he or she say? They will cry out. <coughs> They will cry out, Lam uta kitabia. If oh, oh, if only I had never even been handed my record. What does that mean? If only I could be snuffed out of existence. That's what it's saying. Walam adri ma hisabia. If only I had not been handed my deen, if only I had not my book of deeds, if only I had never ever known what my reckoning, my hisab, my account is, يَا لَيْتَهَا qadiya. If only that, which means death, if only that had been the end of me. Means if only I had just died and been snuffed out and had never come back to face this again. Ma'hana anni malia, None of my wealth and property has been of any avail, any benefit to me. Halakha anni sultaniya And all of my kingship, power, might, dominion, authority, influence I had on anyone. All of that halakha that's destroyed, that is lost to me, that's passed away from me. I don't find it here. It is not of any benefit. I have no influence here. I have no power here. I have no contacts here. All of that is gone. Then it will be said to me, that you should grab him, seize him. And you should bind him and chain him with a yoke around his neck. And then you should drag him and enter him and let him burn into the jaheem, into again the blazing inferno. After this, after being dragged into the fire of Jahannam and being let burn in the fire of Jahannam then what should happen ثم then fasten him and make him walk in a chain 70 cubits ذرا 70 arm length, 70 cubits long a long chain 70, this is a zira. this is a zira from your fingertips to your elbow, that is a little 70 such arm spans or 70 cubits long, so drag him in that <laughs> <laughs> innahu ka'ana la yu'minu al azeen atheist all of this is happening, why? Because in who? Because indeed, surely, assuredly, certainly, kana la Yuminu kana for istimrar. Never, ever did he ever believe bilahil alim in the majestic Allah subhanahu wa taala, in Almighty Allah subhanahu wa taala. He never believed, ever, ever believed, and wala. Yahulhu miskin, and he didn't encourage feeding the poor.
1: Faley Yomaha Huna Hamim
0: and therefore on this day there shall be no friend for them here on this day. illa min and there will be no food for him today except for hisleen, which we had mentioned to you before is that pus and fluid that oozes out of the burn wounds of the people of Jannam. La and only and only the sinners are going to be the ones who eat his meat. So this is a long description in this ayah in this, this Surah of Quran about the punishments of the fire of Jahannam, punishments of the day of judgment and how they will be dragged into the fire of Jahannam. And the humiliation that a person will have to feel on that day. <coughs> then here from verses number 38 to 52 from the rest of the surah. Here, the spandals is going to discre- in the Qur'an reading is mentioning the statements as refuting the statements of the kuffar which they claim the Quran is not the kalam of Allah ta'ala Fala uksimu bima tubsirun. Indeed, I swear by everything that you see, la tubsirun, and by all of what you are unable to and do not see. Rasulin Karim, That indeed this Qur'an is a call, is a word that has been brought by a Rasulin Karim, by a noble and honored messenger. Yani this means Sayyidina Jibreel This means Sayyidina Jibreel It is not the statement and words of a poet. And it is few of you indeed and little of you that do believe. And nor is it the word of a fortune teller. Kalila Mata da it is few of you who take heed and admonishment from it. Then what is it then? Zilum mir It is a revelation from the Rabb of the Alameen from the Lord of all of the worlds. ba'd al-aqawil. Akbar. What Allah SWT says in Quran, telling the kufar. That this, was, this verse three is Allah Ta'ala swearing. فَلَا اُقْسِمُوا اُقْسِمُوا That Allah Ta'ala is the متقلمين. I Allah Ta'ala swear by everything that you disbelievers that you see. And I Allah Ta'ala swear by every single thing that you don't see. That this Quran is brought by an honored messenger, noble messenger. You know, noble... Mm, let's call it noble emissary. Right, because messenger means prophet sometimes, it's a noble emissary, you need know, the angel of Jibreel, is salam. it is not the word of a poet, Allah Ta'ala saying, it is not the word of a fortune teller, Allah Ta'ala saying, it is a revelation revealed from Rabbil Alameen, Allah Ta'ala saying, then Allah Ta'ala says to the disbelievers about the baptism, ba al if he were to, means falsely, attribute some statements and sayings to us. minhu bil that we would grab him from you. We would grab him by his right hand. We would seize him. Bil-yameen, by the right hand. Allah doesn't have a right hand. But it means Allah is saying that we would seize him with our might and power. Allahu <laughs> Akbar. And we would sever his jugular vein. Can you imagine the vehemence when he heard this? Allahu <laughs> Akbar. Look at the azmat of Allah ta'ala. Look at the sha'an of Allah ta'ala. That if he falsely attributes any saying to us, we will grab him with our might and power, and we will sever. Carotid artery, aorta, his jugular vein. It's saying this about Sayyidina Rasulullah. Fama minkum mm-hmm. min ahadin anhu And there will be none one of you who can prevent this from happening. Prevent it if that were to happen. None of his I mean I disbelievers, if you protect him because he is Banu Hashem. You couldn't protect him, if his companions protect him because there's companions, they couldn't protect him. Allahu akbar kabheera. Allah of Allah SWT And with so much taqeel, Allah SWT has established that the Qur'an is Haqq. With so much emphasis, even if it came to revealing such words, even hypothetically, about Sayyidina Rasulullah SWT, Allah SWT wanted to make it clear. This Quran is Kalamullah. This Quran is Kalamullah. Wa innahu You had in the beginning, Hudal muttaqin. Here you have Latad Kiratun Indeed it is an advice and admonishment. It is something to take advice and heed and lessons from Lil Mutaqen from the people of Taqwa. وَإِنَّا لَنَعْلَمُ minkum مِنْكُمْ مُكَذِّبِينَ also, indeed we know that from amongst you there are certainly those of you who are muqadzibin who falsify it, disbelieve in it, view it to be lies وَإِنَّهُ لَحَسْرَةٌ al الْكَافِرِينَ And this, your falsification, your takzib of it is on the day of judgment going to be nothing other than a source of hasra a source of deep, actually eternal remorse and regret to the disbelievers. It can also mean in this world the manifestation of the Quran and the Muttakeen who take Talkerah from the Qur'an will become a source of distress for the disbelievers. Fasambih Bism Adim. So you should do Tasbih you should glorify the name of your Rub, who is Al-Azim. Who is your almighty, majestic Rub. Means you should say Subhanallah. You should say the sentence Subhanallah. So this is what I meant to end in way. Surahs end, right? You should say Subhanallah. And you should glorify the being who is named with that being. Your life should be lived in such a way that your very life is a glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Next surah is Surat al Just to show you again, how this Mirza Kadhyani was such a twisted, demented, distorted personality. These ayat of Quran, he tried to say this about himself. That if I am saying something false against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so Allah would seize me and sever my jugular vein. And look that Allah hasn't done this, therefore I'm truly a Prophet. La hawla wa quwata illa billah. These ayat which I just presented to you would make the Prophet some shaykh, would make us shake. This person had complete right? That he could use these ayat and then say, right? Oh, what he thought didn't happen with him in this world. All of that plus more is going to happen to him in the akhirah, right? We wish he could have had hidayah. We wish today every one of his followers would have hidayah. Every single Qadiani today in our views is actually former Muslim or descendant from former Muslim. Illa few who converted recently from some other religion. To actually, wu sub apno ke olade, or unki ko so it's a shame, right? That's we just view it as a tragedy, a human tragedy. Right? But amazing what that person would say. Surah Al Mahaj. Again, like I told you, a lot of these surahs, so we're gonna have to pick up some speed here now. A lot of these surahs are talking about the punishments of the Akhira, punishments of the Day of Judgment, features of the Day of Judgment. Al-Ma'arij means the ascending stairway or the ascending steps or generally any. It doesn't have to be steps per se or stairways, but it, pathways of ascension, the pathways of ascension. Right? You can call steps and stairways, no problem, Al-Ma'arij. So so that means an inquirer, a questioner, asked about the agony that is inevitable. Alright. What does this mean? So there was a mushrik who had made dua and he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala publicly and he said that, oh Allah, if Islam is true, then send upon all of us unbelievers a terrible punishment, shower stones down upon us. Imam al-Nasai, has narrated days in which Abu Jahl is the one that is mentioned here. And that Abu Jahl made this statement. Uh, Abu Jahl made this du'a. So when Abu Jahl made this du'a, so the du'a is like a su'al, right? That send upon us the terrible punishment. So Allah Ta'ala revealed these ayat in response to him. That Saala sa'ilun. So that Abu Jahl is asking, asking us, yani Allah Subh'anaHu to send down this punishment. Which is that punishment? Waqin Lil Ka'firina, Laysalhu Dafi. That punishment that will certainly afflict and befall the disbelievers, and they have no way, no dafi, no way to avert it from them, no way to repel it away from them. And that punishment zil Ma'arij. And that punishment is going to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose zilma dhi means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the being who controls, the being who has power, who is the Lord of the pathways of ascension. Right? So Allah Ta'ala is the controller of the stairways of ascent, of the pathways of ascension. Allah Ta'ala is that being Ta'rujul malakatu wa ruhuhu ilayhi. that all of the angels ascend up to him. Wa ruh means the angel Jibril al-islam and the master angel, angel Jibril, also ascends ilayhi towards him. Fi yomin kana mcdaruhu kamsina alfasana. And when will their punishment happen? That punishment it is the fee it is. Connected also to the Waqin, it is Waqin Fi that punishment will occur in such a day that the duration of that day is 50,000 years. This we explained to you also before that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Qur'an and even the Beers has mentioned different uh, durations uh, of that day of judgment, right? In Surah Sajda, the duration was meant to be a thousand years here in Surah al is mentioned to be 50,000 years. So, this discrepancy we explain that it is how long it will seem. Some that day, because that is a day where there is no time anymore. Because the earth and the sun and the solar system all cease to exist. There is no 24-hour day. There is no AM and PM on the Day of Judgment. All of the physical universes have been folded up and thrown away. So it's talking about how long will that day appear. Means how severe will that day appear. So for such kufar, the day will appear to be like 50,000 years. And obviously because what's coming after is eternal. What's coming after is forever and also should say something that not only is the akhira forever the akhira will feel like forever not only is it forever it will feel like forever this day is not forever but it will feel like it fifty thousand years to those kuffar so So then Allah Subhanahu wa tends uh, next is Allah ta'ala says some first that now you should simply exercise patience and they're mocking they're questioning they're mockingly praying to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala to send this punishment down upon us just to have sabr. what type of sabr sabr jameel That means the same patient beautiful noble virtuous patience and endurance like that, the Sayyidina you know, Yusuf al in whom يَرَوْنُهُ ba'idah, And they seem to think, means يرون, means they see it as being something far away. The disbelievers see that punishment as something far away. Says, but we, Allah Ta'ala, we see it to be kariba, to be very near and impending and imminent upon them right so obviously the Nabiya Kareem and the Ahlullah want to, are going to look at things the way Allah, the Allah looks at things and are not going to look at things as the way the Kuffar look at things so Allah's Allah views and sees that punishment as something that is close to them الصماء, that this is the day that the sky will become muhil, muhil, <coughs> this is that the sky will become like molten brass you can even maybe say molten silver Dregs of oil. Alright? The sky will become like, then you would say residue of oil. The sky will become like the residue of oil, or you could translate that the sky will become like molten metal. uh, Molten metal. And the mountains will become like carded wool. Sometimes it may be translated as colored wool mountains will become like colored wool so he says dyed wool right what does this mean okay dyed wool is fluff that's how i mean it's not the literal translation but it's the english word which will explain to you what allah is saying here the mountains will become like fluff so don't think even the wool that is compressed and sewn in your sweater Think of the wool when you take it off of the sheep and you just dye it, it's just fluff. So much of that fluff becomes one sweater. So the metaphor Allah Ta'ala is using is the mountain which is something that was so permanent and so looked like it could never even move, it could never even be moved one inch, is going to be just like fluff. That is how Allah Ta'ala is going to blast it to smithereens. Means what will remain of the mountain, it won't even be a pile of rubble. When the mountains are destroyed, the only thing that will remain of them is fluff. I don't know if you, maybe I'm using too American a word, fluff. You understand? Fluff, alright, will be just like fluff, alright? Think like cotton candy. Cotton candy is fluffy, right? Like that. Um... The first thing that the sky, what, well, we did this earlier before, that the sky will be completely weak and fragile. It will be rent asunder. It will be split apart because it is weak and fragile. Just like you have any type of liquid, whether that is oil or that is molten metal, you can simply just part between it, you can separate it, you can cleft it asunder. Wala yasalu hamimun hamima. No friend will ask about another friend. Even though. You even though they will see one another. Even though they will see one another, no friend will ask about another friend, even though they see them. Then what will happen? Yawandul mujrimu, the sinner, the criminal, the wrongdoer, they will wish. That they will wish that they could give fidya they will wish that if there was any way that they could ransom themselves off for, the, for this punishment, they would be willing to offer who? They would be willing to offer bibanihi. They would be willing to give their own sons. I mean, they're only person attached to their own son, but a person will be, what does it mean? What would the ransom be? The ransom would be that here you can take my son, put my son in Jahannam, save me on this day. Next, wa Sahiba means his wife. He'll be willing to give up his wife. Third, his brother. Fourth, wa-faseelatihillati. This is, Fasila means the group or the tribe or the clan with which he used to live. Right? wa fil Ardi Jamia. He would be willing to put every single person on earth into Jahannam Thumma so that he could be saved means at the expense of his son first friend will not even help friend then he would be willing to save himself at the expense of his son offered by sacrificing his children sacrificing his wife sacrificing his brother Sacrificing his community, you can say, his tribe and community, his family, tribe, community which sheltered him, which nurtured him, amongst whom he lived and resided, he will be willing to sacrifice all of humanity waman fil. That is the level of selfishness. That is the level of terror that this person will be in. That they would sacrifice anything and everything, anyone and everyone to save themselves. But this will never ever be. Allah Ta'ala will never allow anyone to sacrifice another. Allah Ta'ala will never accept the ransom of another. Allah Ta'ala will never accept that at all. What will they have instead? In But in fact, the fire will certainly be blazing and aflaming. Naza'atan lishawa. And it will rip off his scalp. It will pull at him and then tear off his scalp. Tadu man adbara and then the fire will then go. It will leap up beyond them and call those who turn their backs and avert their faces. The fire will chase after and call such a person. وَجَمَعَ فَعَوْعَ And that is the person who accumulated and tended hordes and masses of wealth. Wealth and property and possessions. This is what they used to do in the world. So the fire will be calling such a person. Leaping after such a person. Chasing after such a person. Theodabha explained this this way that the fire will leap after seeking out these people the way a bird is seeking out grains to eat. The fire will be leaking out, leaping out and blazing out and seeking out those who have been destined for it. Active, dynamic proactive fire of Jahannam insana halua that indeed humanity has been created uh, humanity has been created in a state of anxiety, lack of bravery, state of anxiety. Why is a when difficulty afflicts him, is So when any ishar is literally evil, but by shar here it means when any adversity or tribulation afflicts such humanity, they panic. They panic, they lose their sense, right? When anything afflicts them And And whenever any khair comes to them When any good thing comes to them manua, Then they become miserly They become stingy They don't They become ungrateful They fail to become grateful Except the people who pray salah Means that this is the condition Being halu'ah jazua, Manu'ah this is the condition of all human beings except for those people who are praying their salah. So this shows you the importance of salah. And those who have established a known and established share as a right in their wealth this. For the person who is asking and for the person who is maharum of wealth, means the poor and destitute, this is here in ishara of Zakah. Alright? So those who are regular in their salah and those who pay their zakah and several other categories are coming right now, such human beings, such practicing mu'mineen, Yusadikuna biyomiden, those who to seek the day of judgment who genuinely believe in it. Walladina humid adabi rabbihim mushfiqoon and those who fear the punishment of their adabi rabbihim raidu ma'amoon and indeed the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Rerum Ma'amun. It's not something to not be afraid of. Put it that way. It is not something to not be afraid of. Wallahum, the Furuji him Next attribute is they are people who guard and safeguard their, literally, private parts. It means they guard and safeguard their chastity and their modesty. إِلَّا أَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِمْ Except when it pertains to their spouses. أَوْ مَلَكَتْ اَيْمَانُهُمْ Or to those whom you can say, Allah Taala has granted them authority over. فَإِنَّهُمْ غَيْرُوا and then they will not in any way be blamed for not guarding their modesty with these categories of people with their spouses and those whom Allah Ta'ala has put in their possession but whomsoever seeks not even who does even anybody who has yearning for what is above and beyond this They are the ones who are transgressors. So in this ayah, Surah, Surah Al-Ma'arj, verse number 31, Allah makes it clear that if you want more, you lust. Even if you don't act on that lust. Even if you don't do infidelity. But you want more and above and beyond your wife. Or she wants more and above and beyond her husband. A person wants more and above and beyond their spouse. Just that wa Wanting above and beyond that. Allah Ta'ala says al-'adun. Indeed these are the enemies and transgressors, and the anti transgressors the ones who transgress the bounds that Allah Ta'ala sent. Then going back to the list of those who are the exception. Uh, who, are, who are the categories of the musalleen and those who pay their zakat and those who fear the punishment of the Rabb who believe in the truth of the day next category, next sifat, verse 32 what do they know whom? they do riaya they means they're very careful and cautious and conscientious about their amanat and about the trust that has been placed with them and they're very careful and conscientious about their ad about the pledges and promises they make and then there are those who are very careful and conscious about the testimony the witnessing that they offer They're they remain and steadfast and they stand by their testimony and then there are people who do over their salah. So, what's the difference? It started all but Illa, This whole exceptional clause that begins with the word Illa in verse 22 started with al-musallim, and then it ends all the way over here in the end of verse number 34. That the last exception to being halua, juzua, and manua is those people who are Allah salah to Him you Who guard their salah? So, what's the difference? So, what it means is number one, they're the people who pray their salah. And because they do all of these things, they're able to do hifazat of the nur they get in their salah. By not sinning, by paying zakat, by guarding their modesty, etc., etc., by being true to their trusts and pledges and their testimony and fearing the punishment of Allah, they guard their salah. First literal meaning is guard their salah, they're steadfast, they don't let it skip. But Musaleen that's already included in that. So here, when yuhafidun is being used in contrast, in addition to Musaleen, it means they do hifazat of the nur they got when they prayed. So those who regularly pray and who regularly safeguard what noor they get when they pray. Who are those people? Ulaika. Those are the people. Ulaiki fi jannatin mukramun who will be honored in the gardens of Jannah. So up to here, then Allah Ta'ala described the believers. Now from verse 36 to 44, Allah Ta'ala is going to talk about the disbelievers and the disgrace the disbelievers will feel on that day of judgment. Kafaru, that what is the matter with these disbelievers? What in the world has happened to those who are the disbelievers? Kibalaka that they run towards you Anil Yamini wa azin that they are running to you parting in groups from the right and groups from the left azin in crowds and throngs and hordes Ayatma'u kullu. Do each of them have tama? Uh, do they yearn? Kullu uh, imrin minhum. Each and every one of them do they yearn? Ayyudhala jannatan naim Does not does every one of them desire that they can also enter the jannah? Kalla. Never shall that be. Inna khalaknahum mimma ya'alamun. We have created them from what they know. فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِرَبِّ الْمَشْمَشِ وَالْمَغَارِبِ إِنَّ that I, I swear I mean I swear by the rub of the east and the west that indeed we have the power to do what <laughs> to replace them with people who are khair, who are better than them وَمَا نَحْنُ بمصبقين. And Allah Ta'ala says nothing can outstrip or overrun or outdo the might and power of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So فَذَرْهُمْ So Allah Ta'ala tells the Muslims that leave them. Leave them. To what? يَخُوذُ abu, Leave them to indulge in their preoccupations. abu To frolic in their trifling games and idle pastimes. Hatta yu adun until they meet that day which they have been promised. They meet their day of which they had been warned. siraan ila yu that that will be the day that they will emerge from their graves in a rush, hurriedly come out from their graves, as if they were hastening and literally means as if they were hastening as if they were hastening towards a place of sacrifice that is the way they used to be when they used to go towards their place of sacrifice (laughs) so we did this before that their gazes would be lowered and humiliation will overcome and surround and engulf them This indeed is that day that each and every single one of them were promised So what does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was saying that in the beginning that we did verse. what is the matter with the kuffar that they run towards you, they come to you from left and right So this means that whenever Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu sit in the Kaaba and recite Quran Karim or do the disbelievers would come not to believe, they would come and they would mock him, they would call out, they would interrupt him, they would say you're Majnoon, you're a poet, so they would flock to him but not to believe to him, they would come at him from the right, they would come at him from the left, right, and then if there were some sahaba sitting there, listening so they would also, this is the early early, early Makkan uh, surah Makkan surah describing an early Makkan incident right, uh, so this is what is being described here so Allah Ta'ala dispels their hope that no, it will never... And they said that no, 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 you guys are talking about Jannah. We are going to go into Jannah, right? Because we are on the correct belief. So that's what Allah Ta'ala Kalla, that no, this can never, ever, ever happen. When Allah Ta'ala says here that we have created them from what, what they know, Allah Ta'ala is saying is that look, they know that they were created from nothing. They know that they previously were non-existent. They were created from just a drop. They know that. So why do they think they can't be resurrected? Right? Why do they think they can't be resurrected? Here, So this, I explained this to you once before, the concept of mashrik and maghrib or masharik and magharib, so east and west, or east and west. Uh, we did that in Surah Rahman or Surah Vaqya. Alright. Next surah is Surah An-Nuh. A'udhu <inaudible> Shaitan, Bismillah. Inna أَرْسَلْنَا Nuhan ilakomihi an أَنْ أَنْدِرَ كَوْمَكَ مِنْ Those of you who have been following along or otherwise have ilm of Qur'an, you will know that the story of Sayyidina Nuh has taken place a lot already before Surah Nuh. And this is a question sometimes that people ask, that when Allah Ta'ala is going to have an entire surah named after Sayyidina Nuh, why not just put the whole story here? Why not put all the details here? So the answer for this is that this is part of the miracle of Qur'an. And you found this in the story of Sayyidina Adam, Adam as well, in scattered different surahs. That is because certain aspects, you'll have to sort of look at what I'm going to do with my hands. Certain aspects of the surah of Nuh are more beautifully adorned by the mahal of surah Falah. Other aspects of the story of surah of Nuh Al are more beautifully adorned by putting them in the context of surah Falah. And then a bulk aspect and also a summary of some of the other aspects of the story of Nuala Islam can be understood separately in of itself. But in that, then even other aspects of other things will be adorning the story of Sayyidina Islam. I don't know if I could explain that to you, right? Uh, but maybe since it's really the women of Zainab Academy here, here today, so we can explain to them this way. That uh, sometimes a diamond looks nice in the white gold ring. And sometimes a diamond looks nice in the yellow gold ring. And sometimes the diamond looks nice on its own. So to appreciate every aspect of the diamond, sometimes you have to give it a different mahal. To appreciate every aspect of the story, you have to give it a different setting. And sometimes you give it a setting in of its own, the Surah Nu. Alright. Because I in detail explained that whether you are coming today for the first time or not, our memory goes back twenty nine just right. So because I have explained this in detail, I'm not going to you know really explain too much detail here in Surah Anur. No. We're going to move with speed. Allah says indeed we sent a Nabi and a prophet to his community, to his people and that you could warn your people and before what azabun before a painful punishment comes upon them that oh to say o my community i am a clear and manifest warner to you that you should do about them allah alone and that you should fear him alone wa and you should obey me what does that mean? No, obviously, It means obey Allah subhanahu wa Ta'ala, But obeying Allah Taala Is through obeying his prophets Then will forgive you for your sins. And then he will grant you respite Until a specified known Definitive period Means that after being forgiven You will still remain on earth It will not be as many of us would also wish That the day Allah Taala forgives us for everything Just take us up right there and then Right No, let us stay Otherwise we make a mistake again. So he said, yes, Allah will forgive you for your sins by taking Iman, but then you will be given a certain muhla, an ajal, a certain time period, your time of life. Then when that expires... Uh, inna adzalillahi izajaa that when the period established by Allah subhanahu wa taala comes, la yu akhru you will not be able to delay it in any way whatsoever. Lo kuntum taat If only you could know. Qal sinulusam sam that Rabbi they made dua. Rabbi inni da'udu kumi laylumun nahara that on my Rub indeed I was making dua to my community night and day. Falam. Yaziduhum dua illa But all of my calling to them has only has not increased them in anything except them making them run even further away. And then whensoever I used to invite them and call them, min on them, so that you may have forgiven them. Jaalu Asabi Umfi Adanihim they would place their fingers in their ears. Vastal show and then they would cover themselves with their thiyab, their garments but likely shawls. Wa Asarru and then they would asadru they would do Israr means they were stubborn, they would remain implacable and stubborn and impenetrable and then they did a great tumber they arrogantly adopted pride thumma inni jihara and then i called out to them loudly and forcefully publicly and openly thumma inni and then i called upon them openly wa and then i also called upon them privately And what did I say, again I said to them, Allah, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ I said that, seek the forgiveness of you, Rabb, إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا that indeed your Rabb is all forgiving, most forgiving. Yursil sama alaykum midra'ra. And then he will send torrents of rain, downpours of rain upon you. That is part of his maqfirah, that he will also help you in this world. And by means of that torrential rain, wa yumdidkum bi wa And then Allah Ta'ala will help you with monies, with benina and with children's. wa and Allah Taala will make for you jannatum wa yaj al And Allah Taala will make gardens and rivers for you. Malakum. So what's the matter with you? La tajuna lillahi waqara. That you are not. Um, you don't contemplate and realize the the waqar, the dignity of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Waqar al khalakukum al And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has. Created you in so many stages In successive stages and phases This is the stages of human development That Allah has mentioned earlier In Quran Have you not seen that Allah has created The frontiers of the universe in seven layers And that Allah has made the moon And placed a nur in that moon And has placed the Sun as a lamp and a lantern for you in the daytime By which means by which you see and travel and etc And then Allah Ta'ala created you from the earth He gave you life and produced you from the earth nabata. You know literally I mean it means as an earthly organism You know I would say that as an earthly organism He created you from the earth as an earthly creation he has caused you to grow out of the earth. <clears throat> and then he will return you to that earth and then he will then extract you from that earth. He will extract you from it. الْأَرْضَ And Allah Ta'ala has made the earth like a bed or a carpet. Spread it out for you. And so that you may then travel paths, wide paths, you may chart out paths and roads and travel upon them on this earth. So this is all the da'wah of Sayyidina Nuhu Islam. salam. You can see that he is reminding them of the bounties and favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he says, I called them night and day. That he called them privately and publicly. So this is also mentioned in Qur'an. This is the sunnah of the Nabiyeen. And anybody today making da'wah to the ummah of Sayyidina Rasulullah salam can still learn from the usul of da'wah of the Anbiya and Mursaleen. So sometimes if there's a person, you shouldn't give up on them so quickly. And a mistake that a lot of us do, we give up on someone it's Okay, I made Dawah, I invited him, he didn't come. But that's it. So this is the Sunnah of Sayyidina Nuri alayhi night and day, publicly, privately. And as you know, he lived 950 years. Law Akbar. 950 years he lived. Now we don't know exactly how many of those years were before the flood. And how many were after the flood. But reasonable to assume several hundred would have been in the Dawah before the flood hundreds of years hundreds of years of calling his people night and day publicly privately explaining to them Calling to them, telling them about Allah's mercy also. So never tire of telling people about the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. Be, do amal on this verse 10. fakultu I say, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ Tell people to seek the forgiveness of their Rabb. إِنْهُ كَانَهُ and Indeed Allah Ta'ala's all forgiving. So to remind people always of the forgiving nature of Allah Ta'ala over and over and over again. <coughs> Verse number twenty one. So it said no lay But O oh my Rab, all of them they would refuse to obey me. Maluhu. And instead they have followed him whose wealth and children have only increased Maluhu, Illa whose wealth and children have only increased him in loss. Wa makuru then and they have uh and they have devised mighty plots and they're scheming terrible schemes. Wakalu and they say La tada illahatakum that you should never ever forsake your gods. They say to one another, right? Never ever forsake your any false gods. Wallata daruna wadaw walla. Swahili <clears throat> that you should never ever forsake Wudda, Suba. These are the names of the gods: wala Yahutha, and neither Wa, Ya'ush, Ya'uka, nor Ya'uk, wa Nasra and Nasr. These were the five names of their gods, the gods of the people of Noah's Islam before he came to them. So, what does it mean that who were they following? So clearly, there was some leader from the disbelievers. Right? Who was telling the people, don't leave your religion, don't listen to Nu Islam, don't forsake your gods. And then Sayyidina Allah Ta'ala helped Nu Islam, salam, but that person whose wealth and children only increased his loss, so Sayyidina Nul Islam is understanding, right? That even though Allah Ta'ala has given whoever that unbeliever caller was, had given him wealth. Had given him children, but actually that increased him in loss means that made him stubborn, that made him forget, that deluded him. That's what made him realize, uh, that's what made him fail to realize that the religion with which Sayyidina Nurul was sent was the truth. So Nurul knows all of that, and he's telling Allah Ta'ala of that. And obviously, Nurul knows that Allah Ta'ala knows all of this also. Every single thing that Sayyidina Lulay-Saam is saying, Allah Ta'ala knows that. So this is also some of the anbiya, so it's okay for a person to do this. In dua to express things that obviously are known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because in the act of expression you have your own tasalli that obviously Allah knows it through His own ilm, but one is that Allah ta'ala, I want Allah ta'ala to know because I told it to Him. Is in two different things, right? And sometimes it even happens with people that somebody knows somebody, knows, but I want to tell them myself because that's my pleasure lies in me telling them myself even if they already know. So that's one reason for this. Second, it's a humility, that okay, even if Allah knows the facts of everything, in the tone and tenor and the way I express those facts to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will show my humility, will show my want, will show my need, will show my desperation, and so pack, in maybe the tone and the feelings with which I express my du'a, that's what Allah will listen to and grant my du'a. So this, and, and, and so because I'm going a bit fast, maybe the tone is, and if you don't there, Arabic, maybe the tone is not coming to you, but this is a very deep du'a. Okay, imagine a prophet and he's trying to convince people to believe in Allah and people don't believe in Allah and instead of believing in Allah, people believe in all types of false gods, Right? Imagine the level and, and, and Nuh A.S. is doing this for hundreds of years you cannot imagine the tone in which this dua was made by Sayyidina Nuh A.S. So, وَقَدْ أَذَلُّ And now they have led many astray so that one got these and then these false gods and so there's multiple astray. <coughs> tazid Allah Ta'ala says that, Oh Allah subhanahu Ta'ala, Don't increase Zalimina, <laughs> <laughs> الظَّالِمِينَ <laughs> Don't increase the wrong Jews Except in there Misguidance and deviation مِمَّا <laughs> خَتِي From all of their sins That they used to do أُغْرِقُ <laughs> The sins that Because of all the sins That they used to do أُغْرِقُ <laughs> They were drowned In that flood that came and then they will be made to enter into the fire of Jannah فَلَمْ يَجِدُوا لَهُم مِّن دُونِ And you will not find that they will have anyone to help them They will have no Ansar, no helpers besides Allah SWT Nothing to help them against Allah SWT No helper besides Allah SWT رَبِّ لَا Allah the the Ya'allah ya Allah don't even leave a single one disbeliever on earth that because if you leave them which means any one or some of them you ibadaka again they will just make astray your servants they will lead your servants astray Walla yalidu illah fajiran kafara. And they will give birth only to Fajr Kafir. They will even give birth to a generation of Fajr is deep sinners and Kafir are disbelievers. The oh Rabbik fearly that O my Rabb forgive me. and my forgive my two parents. Walimandachala Baitiya and whoever entered my home as a believer will mutminat and forget all forgive all the believing men and believing women. Illa Tibara and Allah Ta'ala don't grant any increase to the wrongdoers and sinners and oppressors except for Tibara, except and only and only increase them in their destruction, in their devastation. alright here here you know in Surah Ibrahim Surah of we have dealt with the story of Sayyidina Al-Islam here you see this du'a of a prophet when he sees so much evil that can you imagine the evil of the disbelievers that Sayyidina al believe even a single one of them even a single one would be enough to make the Ahli Iman astray if one remains after the flood and how evil are they? They're incorrigible, they're so stubborn that even their evil of their kufr and fujur will continue in their progeny. So some of us said that this ayah, although not necessarily is it going to be the case, but yes, it may happen that a person can become so deep in kufr that then Allah will decree that his entire progeny will be mahrum of iman, That his entire progeny Will have only and only he will have fajr and kafir born to him and from him. And then on the similar side, and this is our hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala can make a person enter so deep into iman that Allah Ta'ala can decree for that person that only and only people of iman and taqwa are born to them and from them. This isn't qaida kulia, this will not always happen. Allah will always have people of Iman born from people of Kufr. And there will always be people who also apostate or become atheist or whatever. People of Kufr born to people of Iman. But there's a possibility then being highlighted here in Quran of some strands of people who will be preserved either in the sense of the Iman sense or be condemned that their entire line will be that of Kufr. Right? So, if this was the marifat of Sayyidina Nuala and Allah Ta'ala didn't rebuke him and Allah Ta'ala included it in Qur'an, so that is why the Mufassirin say that if Allah Ta'ala included this in Qur'an, we can imagine there must be many, many things... Say the said to Allah that which are not included in the Qur'an and because the Qur'an is the word kalam of haq so perhaps this is, the, not perhaps, but then if you took it fully if you really held that interpretation then it is certainly true that there will be some kufar like that and then one could hope by analogy there will be some mu'mineen muttaqin like that that every and anyone born to them, from them honor will be of the people of Iman and Taqwa and this also shows then who our forefathers are has an effect on us. So the piety and taqwa and iman of a pious forefather does not necessarily mean any son or grandson is pious, but it can have an effect. And sometimes the sinister disbelief and sin of a impious forefather does not in any way preclude somebody from getting hidayah, but sometimes that may also have an effect. And if nothing else, it may have an effect. And the terbiya, right, a child born in the house of kufr and fujur is raised on Kufr and Fujur And a house child born in a house of Iman and Taqwa is raised ideally in the teachings of Iman and Taqwa. So we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us from such a terrible fate, and preserve our progeny from the terrible fate of losing Iman after being gifted with this with it and may Allah ta'ala endow each and every one of us the hifazat of our iman and the hifazat of nasl and the hifazat of iman in our entire nasl wa da'wana Muhammad رَبِّكْ فِرُ بَالْحَمَّا أَنتَ خَيْرُ الرَّاہِمِينَ Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kaleem, Ya Allah, we ask that you prepare us for the Day of Judgment. Remind us for the Day of Judgment. Let us never forget that Waqih. Let us never forget Al-Haqah. Ya Allah, give us that Idraq, Ya Allah. Give us that sense, Ya Allah. Give us that understanding, Ya Allah. Give us that preparation, Ya Allah. And Ya Allah, we ask that on that day, that you shower your Rahmah and mercy upon us. That you shower your Fazl and Karam upon us. And that you give us our Book of Deeds in our right hand, Ya Allah. That you admit us in to the gardens of Jannah with the Salihin Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Karim save us from the fire of Jahannam save us from the punishment of Jahannam Ya Rabbi Karim all of insan that are destined for Jahannam we make dua for the hidayah of all of insan and all mu'mineen like us who are sinfully going to Jahannam we make dua for the maghfira of ourselves and the maghfira of all of the mu'mineen Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Karim make us mu'mineen muttaqeen mu'mineen salihin Motminin Sadakin, Yarbicream, make us Motminin Muslimin, Rabbinat Kababinna in Nakaun to Samuel Aleem, or two Bolena in Nakaun to Abrahim, ehm. was a law to Allah, Allah, baby, he said now, Muhammad, while Ali was a be he a Jamain, Biramataka Yah, Rahamar ya Ra,